it's kind of a weird news day. We got uh, reports that Saudi Arabia may be secretly negotiating with China to sell oil in the yuan, which could threaten the U.S.'s position as the reserve currency and then make all of your prices skyrocket. Saudi Arabia denies it, but they're also inviting Xi Jinping down to the country. They've also rejected a phone call from Joe Biden, which was so embarrassing that even Trevor Noah made fun of him and somewhat kind of defended Trump, saying it would never happen to him. It's kind of a weird, weird time, man. And everything just keeps getting weirder. We got a bunch of other stories just just around this. And, um, you know, Idaho has just, uh, what is it? Idaho did that abortion ban at six weeks, I think, right? Beautiful. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure if it was six weeks. We were just talking about this story. But it's, that's that's huge. And, and time, with yeah. the potential ruling from the Supreme Court over Roe v. Wade or the impact on Roe v. Wade, it's going to be substantial. Then we've got uh, um, BuzzFeed is suing because a bunch of the employees got left holding worthless stock because, you know, BuzzFeed is worthless. But of course, uh, oh, I'm sorry, there's another big story too. Uh, Project Veritas has just published footage of the FBI raid on their journalists' homes, which we're definitely going to get into as well. But uh, some people, you know, when we initially put this video up, the title was different, then it was changed and it was changed. And I'm just like, you know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to level with everybody. We changed the title. I was, I, was, I was out of frustration and I was like, okay, the bomb squad's here. There, I'm done. I'm done with it. <laughs> because we've been dealing with that and it's kind of cut into our normal prep time. And uh, that's right. The bomb squad is here. They're currently still here and um, they're dealing with issues. And I kind of just thought... You know, we were like, we, we shouldn't talk about what's going on with, with these, you know, swattings and things like that. And then I was like, if this was any other outlet or personality, we'd be all over this story. We'd be talking about the threats, the violence, the escalation. But because it's us, we just like, oh, no, don't bring it up. And I'm kind of like, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't. So there's kind of a, a halfway point where there's some things we just can't talk about for law enforcement reasons. But we'll we'll get into a little bit about that, I guess, just to give everyone an update on what's happening to the best of our abilities. You know, and, and explain why I decided ultimately that we probably should talk about it. So we'll do that. Joining us today to talk about this and much more is Luke Rosiak. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. It's great to be with you guys. Big fan of the show. Uh, I'm a Daily Wire investigative journalist. Uh, I cover schools lately. Done a bunch of stuff, but lately I've been doing schools. I'm the guy that broke the Loudoun County. A lot of the stories that made Loudoun County go kind of national, including the cover up of the rape. Uh, and I'm just out with a whole new book on schools called Race to the Bottom. So I'm, I've kind of become somehow the schools guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this story is huge. It, you, I, I think your story actually changed who the governor is, basically. Yeah, it's been crazy to see and to cra- crazy to see all the parents waking up. I mean, it, we're we're in a period of really, I think, uh, historical upheaval in this country politically, where the dynamics are changing. You got the Asians coming out because they're all worked up about the schools issues. You've got traditional Democrats who would have voted for Bill Clinton, and now they're like, if this is the Democratic Party now that wants to like get rid of math magnet schools, they're voting for Youngkin. So you know, yeah. change is afoot. So this will be interesting. Thanks for coming, man. We also got Seamus. Yeah, great to be here. Also, thank you for the work you're doing. I'm really excited to uh, dig into some of this. It's, it's very important. And I am the creator of Freedom Tunes, and so I'm obviously going to be promoting that. Also promoting prayer in light of current events. Please pray for us if you're a praying person. Hi, everyone. Ian Crossland over over here. Uh, hit me up on iancrossland.net if you'd like, but let's get the show rolling. And then I am also here. It's been a very exciting evening. I'm sure we'll get into what was going on on our front porch and uh, talk about what's happening in the news. 
Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member if you want to support our work and let all the naysayers know they cannot stop us. Yes. As a member, you're keeping all of our journalists employed. We actually had a meeting with a, a, a cool dude. We, we're not going to say exactly what's going on, but talking about expansion and, and, a, and a lot of help to make the company bigger and better and more powerful. But uh, membership is how it's all basically funded. So if you like the work we do at the website, if you like the members-only segments of this show, Sign up, watch those segments, and support our journalists. We'll have a members-only show coming up. It'll be published around 11 or so p.m., so you don't want to miss it. But don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Let me, let me, let's just, just talk about the uh, security issue real quick as kind of the introduction. So I don't want to give specific details on why or what's happening. Um, as many of you know, I think out of all of the shows in politics, we may be the most swatted mm-hmm. of 2022. Yeah. Uh, so six, far. six so far. It's cross state lines. The latest incident that we're dealing with now, uh, the bomb squad, uh, was surprised to me. I, I go outside and I see a bunch of vehicles pulling up and then I see a guy get out and he's got a shirt that says bomb squad on it. And I was like, oh, the bomb squad's at my house. Huh. And, uh, you know, I, I can't say exactly what happened, but it's effectively a swatting, not the exact same thing. And, uh, Man, I got to be careful about some of the details. There's, there's a lot to say, but maybe I can't actually say it. There's concerns, obviously, when we talk about these security issues pertaining to swattings or otherwise, that if we highlight it, it encourages it. And we've had police tell us that before. And I'm like, you're right. You know, and so, so some of these instances, we've, we've not really talked about that much. The other concern is that making sure people are aware of what's going on is, is important for the safety and security in a, in a, in a similar sense. I would hate to have something happen that would be unbelievable, confusing, or just over. I don't know how to, just, how to exactly explain it. My concern was, you know, if something keeps happening and we ignore it and people don't know it's happening and then something serious happens, it'll take everyone by surprise. Maybe we should be like, hey, put a, put attack in this. Something's happening. We're having security issues. People should know it's happening. But most importantly, you know, before the show, when we were trying to figure out how to title what was going on and talk about what's going on. I was just like, I said this a moment ago, if this was any other outlet, if it was Crowder, if it was the Daily Wire, if it was the New York Times, we would be talking about it for a half an hour. We'd be, we'd be exploring who did it and we can't even get in a lot of those core details. So other than that, I just, you know, when we were trying to figure out what our lead story was, usually we're up in the studio, mm-hmm. we're sitting here, we're talking. This time we were out in front with a bunch of cops and I'm assuming feds and stuff like that. And so we didn't have the same kind of ease of prep work and understanding we normally get to do. And so we're trying to figure out, you know, do we do we lead with this story? Oh, no, no. We, we, we put one up that was like, Joe Biden sucks. And we were like, he does. And we want to talk about those things. But then it was just like, <laughs> it's an opinion statement. Yeah. And it's just like, well, we have the story from, from James O'Keefe, but he didn't actually upload the video yet. And I'm like, oh, did I just accidentally, you know, break his story before him? So I'm like, we got to change it. I'm like, you know, the bomb squad's here. Yeah. yeah. I can't deal with this. I find it's like the balance of as a weird internet celebrity, whatever you want to call it, this weird new genre of like you're a creator, your personality is your character. You got to balance out your own mental health with the journalistic integrity of documenting your life so that people know in the future like what you went through and so they know what to expect if they're going to try and reproduce what you're doing. Sometimes talking about the bad things that happen to you is bad for your mental health and you have to just let it fly, let it go. As we talk about, you know, the conflict in this country and the culture war and stuff, I'm also kind of concerned that we would omit relevant news in this space because it's happening to us. Right. I don't know if you guys what your thoughts are on, on that. Cause, cause there's the self-interest thing where we've had the cop be like, don't tell anyone this happened because it'll make it worse. And I'm like, yeah, 
But if there's a New York Times journalist outside filming all of this, they'd post that online in two seconds and tell everybody what was happening, regardless of our security or otherwise. And it would be a major topic of conversation about the escalation and what's happening with these political conversations, with censorship, with violence and things like that. Yeah, no, it's a tough call. I can't tell you one way or the other. I think that uh, you have total control over the information here, at least with respect to whether it gets out. I mean, we don't really have anyone else from the New York Times filming this. Obviously, things can get out either way just because of people telling their family members about what's happening, things along those lines. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure, man. It, it, it is a tough call. I think it makes sense. On some level, it makes sense to talk about it just because people should know the danger that is present in discussing these issues publicly. Or how psychotic people have become. And how psychotic people have become as well. And I think they should also know that having any kind of public political platform does come at a cost. And I'm not saying that so that people can be, you know, more careful in and more afraid to speak out about their values when they need to. It's actually the exact opposite, to embolden them and have them say these maniacs cannot intimidate us into silence. Yeah, especially when there's lots of people doing it together. When people start yeah. speaking out together, it's like you can't whack all the moles at once. You just give yeah. up at that point. The, the moles own the garden. Luke, yeah. you've done a bunch of stories that have really riled a lot of people up. I'm curious if you've dealt with similar stuff or if you have thoughts on... You know, I, I think there's a lot of keyboard warriors online that want to intimidate, and there's a lot of people, and this is not what you're doing. What happened to you is serious. It's happened a number of times. A lot of journalists want to play victim. You know, someone, I got a death threat, and it's like some guy, like, sent you a DM on Twitter that's like, <laughs> you know, like, I wish you were dead. Like, all right, that's not a credible threat. Right. Um, but when you look at what's happened with January 6th, there's been, like, all these long magazine articles, like, so the journalists are having to go to therapy. And I think what you've dealt with is objectively probably more serious than those journalists that were there for some a riot so uh that, that's a good point and it's a big component of like what, I, what how i'm feeling when they're saying like don't tell people this is happening and i'm like we just said that story from project veritas i don't know if you guys saw it where that that the journalist was like you are not traumatized by january 6th you know did you mm-hmm. see this video where he's basically saying like you are out there having fun you are not worried and they, the, dem, the, the, uh, the Democrat narrative on January 6th is like the violent insurrection. The journalist narrative on everything they do is like, every day I wake up and someone sends me mean words. Ah. Yeah. And then it's like, ah. we actually have, we were swatted six times. Mm. Now we've had an incident where the bomb squad's been deployed. And, you know, I don't want to, I can't go into details, but there, there is a reason for why they're deployed. It wasn't, uh, um, it wasn't the same as a swatting. Like something actually happened. We have to be careful about discussing the, the full details. But, uh, it called it, it call, whatever happened was serious enough where they actually called reinforcements. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm actually worried we're going to hear you know the house shake or something like that. Yeah, like there may actually that. be something about to happen. There's but no, we're, but we're well, gonna, we're that's gonna, why I'm asking people pray. I mean, if you pray the rosary, pray the rosary. But just prayer in general would be very very yeah, appreciated. There's not a, really an instruction manual for this kind of yeah. career path. So I think this is just par for the course. Probably it's just a matter of having a, a precautions set up, like perimeters set up where things get looked at and inspected on their way in so that we don't come to a point yeah, where security, we have to. Security is insane. Well, and I'll, we're, we're getting crazy with it. I'll also say this. I, I definitely understand the argument that it could be dangerous to speak out about this to some extent because then you incentivize copycat criminals or you embolden the person who's doing it in the first place. But as you've mentioned, we are living in an era of crocodile tears. And I think it's important for people to see people who actually are put in a situation of danger not falling apart and losing it because they want to score cheap political points with their hysteria. Well, I'm just, you know, shouldn't uh, the New York Times have talked about any one of these major instances where we got swatted, like live on air? What's in it for them? 
Right, right. And so what I kind of see here is you'll hear the narrative from the corporate journalists about how they're so oppressed, but they obviously have disdain for us. They don't care about us. You know, what happens to us is not news to these big corporate entities, but whatever happens to them is. Yeah, I mean, you're a journalist who's literally being attacked, as are the people around you. As is James O'Keefe. As is James O'Keefe, exactly. And so, you know, it's it's funny how... If you are outside the establishment, it's clear. There's there's two there's two uh, different worlds here. Those who are actually resisting, those who are actually standing up for the individual or for rights, uh, and those who are shills for corporations, those who are shills for themselves or grifting. You know. Do you think there are elite people that are elite that are actually trying to help the individuals and not shilling for corporations? Yeah. Or so you can be elite and not be a shill. Bro, I mean, like we're a big company. We make a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like I was asking Seamus the other night, James O'Keefe. What are the elite? Also doing like, really what, well. and he, he was like, "Elite are the people that will never get in trouble for what they did." And I was yeah, like, no, "That's <laughs> a horrible <laughs> way of expanding the truth to me, Shame. Thanks. Um, but can those people that never get in trouble be good people too? That's what I'm wondering. Like, or are they just kind of ousted? Like Elon Musk, he's definitely wealthy enough to be in that group, but is he accepted in that group because he's not a sociopath? At least doesn't seem to be. That's an interesting question. I mean, they say absolute power can corrupt absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to find people in that kind of a position who have the integrity to behave decently, but I'm sure there are some. That's promising. Yeah, there's – look, you can look at Donald Trump, and especially with what's been going on uh, earlier today, I'm looking at all the news, and I'm like thinking like, man, what is the lead story? You got – You've got Russia sanctioning Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. I'm like, that's that's interesting, but does it really matter? Is it you know? Then you've got some crazed, you know, some angry. I shouldn't say crazed, but some angry TV host in Russia saying someone should tell the U.S. you give us back our money or you get the tactical or strategic your choice, which is in reference to nuclear strike against us. And then I'm like, but he's just some guy in TV. I mean, doesn't really just some guys waving his arms. And then I'm just like, I'm. And then I I, I saw someone tweeted about Trevor Noah. Uh, Ian Miles Chong tweeted about Trevor Noah because uh, he was saying it makes no sense that they're doing the vax mandates in New York now because Kyrie Irving mm. couldn't play, right. but he could go and hug the players as a fan. It's the craziest thing ever. And then I just thought to myself, like, man, Joe Biden really is like the worst president we've ever had, isn't he? And then I'm like, well, Woodrow Wilson, yeah, you know, so, he was bad too, though. Yeah, we were talking about this before the show, and it's a complicated question because even though I really didn't like Obama or Clinton, I definitely didn't think W was the best. If someone asked me who's the worst president, I probably would have pointed to Woodrow Wilson. But there is something about having a person in the Oval Office who literally cannot speak that makes me reconsider that position or want to reconsider that position. Biden could be the worst president we've ever had, and oh, I don't say that lightly. For sure. <clears throat> Being a bad president can take different ways. He could be a, a like a private socio, like a psychopath that's like uses the law to bend to his will. That's a horrible mm-hmm. president. But then you get the demented human that can't function properly, mm-hmm. that doesn't speak. That's a bad a word. I mean, in my opinion, that's more dangerous. I'd rather have a uh, an authoritative psychopath that at least is going to help the country function. Uh, mechanically, this guy is like embarrassing us in, in, when he speaks. Let me, in that's, public. No, that's a good point. Let me yeah. let me let me ask you guys this question, and then we'll bring up this story. Uh, so first, we have a story. I'll just show this real quick. What we're going to get into: Trevor Noah ripping Joe Biden. It's from a few days ago, but um, I think it's fascinating to see that even people like Bill Maher and Trevor Ooh. Noah, who would never give Donald Trump a, a single good day, not even after he took out the leader of ISIS, they still they called him an austere scholar. They would not mm-hmm. give Trump the credit. You know. Something seems to be changing, but right now we're dealing with a president in Joe Biden that I believe could be presiding over the collapse of U.S. dominance around the world, yep. the end of U.S. imperialism, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, Ian, you mentioned in a, in, in just, just previously that you'd rather have an authoritarian psychopath who's making the country work than someone like Biden. But no, let's, let's, let's explore that. I mean, 
Is it, is it better to have someone who cracks the whip but fixes the problem or someone who sits back as everything bursts into flames and falls apart? Either who extremes. is also, also, who also happens to be an authoritarian psychopath on top of that. <laughs> either, right, well, then it's obvious. Okay, well, I'm, my patience is running thin. Either extremism in either of those directions is a bad thing, I would think. Cause you don't want someone that's so authoritarian psycho like Hitler that will just like mobilize and take and conquer. But you don't want someone that's so checked out like Biden that he can't say words properly mm-hmm. or even give a state of the union he couldn't do it he just gave a campaign speech he couldn't give a state of the union because he didn't you might not and even know what the state properly. of the union is he was like slurring his words the whole time it was actually oh, and he got all very that, sad the yeah. eye work done on his the you, facelift i mean did whatever. you see the bingo thing we did luke no <laughs> we uh, uh we were we had like a bingo cards for the state of the union and one of them was like if joe biden uses a fake word <laughs> but he kept slurring so much and stuttering that would like that Did that count as a fake that word or not? So. You know, mm-hmm. saying like to trade to traders were like. Well, uh. Meanwhile, when Trump did that, like he was tweeting and he there was some obvious autocomplete and they made fun of him for like three years. After I that. know. Confetti, <laughs> yeah, right? Is that yeah. yeah, that was great. But, but the problem is really, I mean, Biden can't speak. First of all, Trump had an odd manner of speaking. It wouldn't be hard to find someone that could just speak in normal English. And they managed to not do that. But if Biden totally keels over and we've got Kamala Harris, she can't speak either. Mm-hmm. I mean, just yeah. being able to speak English is like the lowest possible qualification. Yeah, yeah, she's got the nervous. We talked about this before the show a little bit. Like the nervousness where like if I let myself be who I really am, I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going to put – And that's say the thing is we don't yeah. know who any of these people are. Biden is clearly not in charge of the country, but who is? And it's the same thing with Kamala. Who is behind the scenes? Here's my favorite yeah. quote from Kamala. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. Sounds like the Arthur theme song. The the title of this article from thecut.com is, (laughs) Come Again, Kamala? Oh, right on. (laughs) She can't talk either. It's like that article where it's like, Trump did something in a bathtub no no one knows about, maybe, but we don't have any evidence. No, no, an elevator. Yeah, Yeah. an elevator. You you, you ever see that article from the Huffington Post? No. Uh, Trump did something somewhere... What he did, we don't know. What, it, what, it, you know, who was there, we're not sure, but it's the holy grail. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, it's hysterical. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, but even this article, right? Trevor Noah ripping Donald Trump, or I'm sorry, ripping Joe Biden and saying Donald Trump would have been better is really significant because to these people on the left, Trump is literally Hitler. And even if he doesn't necessarily feel that way, his audience sure does. Mm-hmm. So for him to be willing to say, let me give points to the person who my side has literally been referring to as Hitler for years and years because the current president is doing so poorly doesn't really say good things for Joe Biden. So let me let me let me quick just jump back to this Yahoo story, right? Trevor Noah rips Biden over Saudi UAE phone snub report. Would have never happened to Donald Trump. You uh, uh so this is like finally now I'm surprised to hear this from Trevor Noah. I want to show you why this is so surprising. We have this tweet from the Huffington Post. Oh, my favorite. A tape might exist of Trump doing something in an elevator. Though exactly where that somewhere is and what oh. that something might be, no one in media can say. That's because no one in media seems to have seen the tape or is even confident it exists. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is... Trevor, as an investigative journalist, Liz, how do you <laughs> feel about, about that, that headline? <laughs> I think we might see a next Pulitzer Prize winner. Yes, we get, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how much you want to bet they did win one? I'm sure. <laughs> Look at that image of Trump's face, too. Yes. This is amazing. Yeah. God. Max, <laughs> Maxwell Strachan. Was that someone oh. chasing him in Trump Tower? And they're like, hey, Trump, Trump! And then they, he wouldn't look at him, but they took the picture it. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's crazy that in their hysteria, they created an idea of something that didn't exist. They didn't define what that idea was. 
this article really does embody, we hate Trump for no reason. Now you have these liberal pundits coming out and being like, maybe Trump, you know, wasn't so bad. So it really, really just, man, I'm so, my, my, I got a headache and, and everything. And I'm just like, all of these people that were screaming, we have to stop Donald Trump. He's an egomaniac. He's a fascist. And now we are dealing with quite possibly the worst administration we've ever seen in the history of this country. Maybe you can argue Woodrow Wilson was worse for a lot of reasons. Maybe Buchanan, pre-Civil War. But uh, right now, the U.S., there's, there's a lot of things happening in terms of soaring gas prices, inflation, manipulation, lies, escalating war. You know, I saw a leftist post on Facebook. They said, if uh, they were basically saying, why didn't we enact a no-fly zone before the war even started? When it was Ukrainian airspace and Ukraine had the right to agree to the United States and say we could do it, that would have forced Russia to break our you know, red line. And I thought it was an interesting point because if Joe Biden knew all of this was happening, if Ukraine and everybody knew Russia was going to do this, then we could have gone in and secured it before the war even started. And it would have been incumbent upon Russia to be the ones to aggress against NATO, not the other way around. You look at Afghanistan and Bagram Air Force Base. All of it is basically just failures of intelligence, failures to act or do anything that would prevent war. Now, I suppose you can argue they must really, really want war. But when I kind of look at everything the Biden administration has done, I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe they're just maybe maybe incompetent is an understatement. Yeah. Well, I mean, drawing a line in the sand there and and stating a no fly zone prior to Russia invading, regardless of whether you think that would be a good idea, is an idea which would require actual decision making and leadership. And he's not capable of that. He's the worst, uh, the worst military (laughs) commander I've ever seen in the United States. You know, the downside of his age is obviously his senility, but Mm -hmm. the upside (laughs) is he should be more moored to the Democratic Party before it took this illiberal turn, which is very, very dangerous, where they're just kind of, you know, they've turned against the First Amendment, they've turned against neutrality under the law, the younger generation has, but Bill Maher, what he's saying is no surprise because he's a guy of a certain age. He remembers the Democratic Party of 20 years ago, which is a reasonable party. Um, Biden knows full well he is he is a part of that party, and yet he doesn't have the spine to stand up against the uh, the young woke mob. Yeah, when Bill Bill Crystal, I don't know the guy personally, but he was a big part of like orchestrating the Iraq War with the Bush administration. He's basically people, what people have told me is that all those neocons now are just in the Democratic Party. They just. It's the war, the war party, basically, and whatever you want to slap D or R on, it doesn't matter because they're all administrative state. Well, and it's interesting because people like the Cheneys, I mean, they are part of the war party and now they're essentially Democrats or at least Liz Cheney is. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Well, I mean, they see that that's a party full of people who are much more likely to comply with whatever you tell them. Mm, Yeah. Well, Joe Biden's behavior really makes me think that he's certainly not the one pulling the strings, which generally makes me wonder what's actually going on. Because it's obviously not Kamala, because I've said this before on Twitter and I got roasted for it, but I think that she knows she's out of place. She knows she's out of her depth. Listening to her explanation of the invasion of Ukraine, she's like, Russia's a big country and Ukraine's a little country and Russia went into Ukraine. That's bad and i was like are you serious but We're- she was talking to a black radio station which yeah, is like it's one of the most that. racist things i've ever seen yeah. <laughs> i couldn't make up my mind i was like either she's being super racist or she just has no idea is what it, she's talking about yeah but is it is it easier i mean is, is it simpler to just say no one has the strings you know yeah, my, my view of scary. things has been that joe biden is in charge but everyone knows he's asleep even Trevor Noah in that segment yeah. was like, Biden's in bed by 4 p.m. Yeah. So wow. it's hard for him to schedule phone calls in Saudi Arabia, who's eight hours ahead. I mean, it's a good joke. But so is it like the chief of staff, like Rob Klain or whatever? Is that Ron the guy Klain. that's running the country? What's his I, name? No, I think, I think 
They're all sitting at the table and Joe Biden's sitting there and they all sit down and they're like, okay, Joe, you know, what's going on? And he's like, turn it on a shot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And then like (laughs) Kamala looks at Rob and they just like, okay, uh, so what's the agenda? And he's like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, the president. And then they just get up and leave and they're like, well, we have no agenda. We have no plans. The president fell asleep. Let's go. Let's go bowling. (laughs) Exactly. If the president gives no orders, they can do whatever they want, basically, until they're told to stop. Or there's nothing. There's no, there's nothing, there's no nucleus. Yeah. It is, or at the very least, it's a damaged nucleus. Yeah. Joe Biden, you know, we, we, a super chat, someone said, uh, Kofifi, David, he says, my, Kofifi was my favorite word until I witnessed the magic of true Nanana Shabbat of pressure. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. well, that's, that, that's true. I mean, think about Trump had to accidentally tweet a word and everyone went nuts. Biden actually took the, the, the energy to say a much, much longer and more absurd word. It's, Mo- it's more than once too. <laughs> yeah, bad yeah, yeah. care. <laughs> what is that? What is bad care? I don't know, man. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, he's not just an empty suit. He's worse than that. Yeah, he's really worse than that. And there is something very sad about the fact that this country has become so divided and har- uh, hyper partisan because of the encroaching far leftism that has hijacked the minds of the Democratic Party. Many of the American people, especially as the right wing has started moving to the left. And it's gotten to the point where you don't even really get to consider whether someone's going to be a good leader when you elect them. You're just looking at their policies. And so the Democrats were not concerned with whether Joe Biden would be the right person to lead this country. They just said, well, he's not Trump. And they picked him on that basis. There's a story right now. The White House called in a bunch of TikTokers. Yeah. And... Calling in the big guns. I feel bad for the TikTokers. There's like some 18-year-old woman who's got like 10 million followers. Yeah. And I watched her video and she was just like, gas is high because Vladimir Putin. And I'm like, she's literally just quoting Jen Psaki. Yeah. And I feel so bad for her because she's clearly well-intentioned. Like, I'm going to help my followers. She, You know, I see these TikTokers and these are people who do like entertainment content. If they're willing to take time out of their day to actually address serious political issues, that's actually a really good thing. But when they're being manipulated by the White House to push lies, to prop up a guy who's gutting the system that they live under and making their lives worse, I'm like, that that's just sick. Yeah, they're willingly taking part in propaganda. Yeah. No, but they don't know better, right? So, look, we can say the path to hell is paved with good intentions. But I think the issue is the, you're, you're, you're on TikTok. You, you film videos of you doing makeup and, you know, hanging out with your dog and you get 10 million followers or whatever. And then along comes who you think is the authority who's got your best, who's, who's got your back because you don't know better. Mm-hmm. And they're like, here's what's happening. And you go, I better tell my followers about this so I can help them. I can respect the good intentions. I don't fault an 18 year old kid. From be, for being lied to. I blame the, the White House for lying to them and manipulating all of these young people. What I think is weird, though, is I assume these are attempts to reach, quote, the youth, and these are young TikTokers, and they're just kind of echoing, like, what the man tells you. And I, I thought, you know, growing up, I thought part of being a young person was being rebellious. Yep. And uh, they're just kind of just regurgitating whatever the government tells them to. I, I wonder if young people still have that spirit of, uh, you know, rebellion. Yeah, I mean... Some of them. I mean, maybe the reality is most young people weren't rebellious. Just some of them were. The the people who be, who went on to become you know leaders and 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 challenging the system, innovating and disrupting, they were rebels. But I think most people probably aren't. They're probably just conformist. I wasn't very rebellious. I, I had to learn to rebel. I had to kind of teach myself how. When I learned how corrupted the system had become, like in two thousand seven, I was like, well, I, I really have to. I can't just live under this boot, you, even though I'm really wealthy. Do you guys remember when Casey Neistat? endorsed Hillary Clinton. Oof. So, no. yeah. It's 2016. He's uh, one of the biggest YouTubers. He's got five and a half million subs at the time. Now it's way bigger. And I think he's like semi-retired. I'm not sure. He doesn't really produce as much as he used to. And he made a video where it's like his channel is about travel and adventure. And then all of a sudden he's talking about Hillary Clinton. And he said it's because 
this election wasn't about politics. It was about one egomaniac and his quest for power or something like that. And that Hillary Clinton was the only person who could beat Trump. And I was like, Casey, who told you that? Huh? Because that's politics. And you were lied to. And it's provable. Hillary Clinton could not beat Trump. She lost to him. And it was so bad, they didn't try to bring her back for round two. She was, in fact, the one person who could lose to Trump. Because I'm pretty sure they could have brought in almost anybody and probably beaten Trump. But Hillary was absolutely despised. So they go to these influencers, people like Casey, who don't know anything about politics. And I don't, I don't, I don't mean that in any way disrespectfully. He's not a political guy. They tell him, here's the thing. And he goes, okay, I'm going to go say that. And he was completely and utterly wrong. He's come out later saying he, he, he was a mistake and he shouldn't have done it. And he's right. Trump ended up being actually a really good president. Bad in some ways, for sure. Nobody's for sure, perfect. Nobody's but setting a timeline for getting out of Afghanistan, trying to get out of Syria, best numbers of our lives in terms of, terms of ep- yep. uh, economics in, 20, in 2019. A lot of good things under Trump. He was jammed up by the, the neocons and the neoliberal establishment. They had scandal after scandal holding him back, tying his hands, and he still did some good things. Far from perfect, but pretty good. Way better than Biden. I don't know what, 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 uh, what would have happened with Hillary, but those ideas were just wrong. Then we get the same lies in 2020 when these social media influencers came out. I'll give a special shout out to people like ContraPoints who said you have to vote for Joe Biden. Do you regret saying that? So now what we're getting from the propaganda machine is, aren't you glad Trump isn't president? Why? Even Bill Maher is saying it's a good question. Why didn't Putin invade Ukraine under Trump? So no, I think all of these people who came out and were like, guys, look, I'm a leftist and I don't like the establishment, but you have to vote for Joe Biden. It's like, there's no logic there at all. Because if you really wanted the system to collapse, Donald Trump was the bull in the China shop. If you really wanted something good, you want a repeat of Trump's economic plan that helped everybody with a good economy. There was literally no reason to vote for a warmonger and corrupt despot like Joe Biden. And they did. And now gas prices, record highs, inflation, four, four decade highs every single month, wholesale consumer prices up 10%, escalation of war, our southern border in shambles. Everything's worse. More COVID deaths in 2021 than 2020, even with the vaccine. I mean, no student debt relief. Now the dude's totally turned his back on Black Lives Matter. All of these people who advocated for this sold out their followers, burned it to the ground, and now Joe Biden is just sitting back yelling, tuning on a shot of pressure as everything falls apart. Would, it's amazing how easily manipulated we all are, and I think that's you know the, the lesson from the last couple of years with coronavirus and masks. And all the left has been doing is calling someone racist, and then you have to do whatever they tell you to do. Uh, and then if not, you're it's like It's not a clever scheme. It's like super <laughs> obvious – uh, or, you know, you've got to do this because Trump is bad. Mm-hmm. And that's all they have going for them. It's not it's not clever at all. It's not subtle. Um, but people keep falling for it. So yeah. what what would you say the solutions are or what direction do you believe we have to head in as a country to fix this? I mean, I think we have to the Democratic Party really has to reject the illiberal left. I mean, these ideas of treating people differently based on race, rejecting objectivity in some mm-hmm. ways like these are insane ideas. Um, with some of the school stuff where they're talking about, you know, getting into the, they got rid of the, some of the math magnet school, the top math school in the country because there weren't enough blacks getting in. So they say tests are not real. Like you can't indulge these ideas. That's a conspiracy theorist. That's a conspiracy theory. They call people on the right conspiracy theorists all the time. So I, I think the only people that can save this party, Joe, uh, this country, Joe Biden was 
well situated to do it because he's a Democrat that is not grounded in the far left fringe. And uh, unfortunately, we've learned that he's not the guy to do it. Let's let's talk about uh, how Joe Biden may be presiding over the end of American global dominance. From the Wall Street Journal, Saudi Arabia considers accepting yuan instead of dollars for Chinese oil sales. Talks between Riyadh and Beijing have accelerated as the Saudi gov- uh, Saudi unhappiness grows with Washington. Now, there's two big points to make here. First, some people are screaming, it's fake news, don't believe it. And there's some reporting coming out saying, it's not true, it's not true, it's not going to happen. However, what we do know, as I mentioned in the previous segment, even Trevor Noah criticized Joe Biden because Saudi Arabia refused to take his call. We also know they invited Xi Jinping to the country. At the same time, we're hearing reports that they're considering trading oil in Yuan. What this will do is it's going to strengthen Chinese currency and their government and their economy substantially. It's going to send signals to everybody that if if Saudi Arabia does this, because they trade exclusively in U.S. dollars, Mm -hmm. that it's good for you to have yuan because you can buy oil with it now. That is the the first, you know, chipping away of U.S. global dominance in terms of the petrodollar, the reserve currency. And what um, what Americans need to understand is that a large portion of the wealth we have, wealth we have, comes from the fact that we are the, the progenitors of reserve currency around the world. If that ends, we have very little to offer everybody else. Yeah, exactly. I mean, think about how much the value of our dollar is boosted by the fact that everybody has to purchase U.S. dollars if they want to buy oil from Saudi Arabia. I think it's, Saudi it's not Arabia. just Saudi Arabia, too. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly. Eighty percent of the we, oil yeah. market. I think of Saudi as uh, like the the nozzle on the hose, like the the garden nozzle that you squeeze to squirt it. And if and we are the hose, you know, we're producing the the fluid that's coming through this hose. But if Saudi wants to twist shut. We have no more way to get that oil out to the world. If they don't want to sell it in U.S. dollars, that's like the tip of the spear. And so does this also make inflation much worse if we printed all this money and now all these foreign governments are no longer yep. possessing it? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if they start dumping it, then we're going to have dollar bills in the streets being shoveled into the gutter. And I just don't understand how people could be too shocked that we printed, what, 80% of the dollars in existence over the past two we did, years or uh, something along we, those we lines? Put or in circulation. circulation. Yeah, we yeah put in I'm circulation. sorry, in circulation. I mean... Of course, we're just going to be inching towards losing our status as world reserve currency. Why would anyone be willing to depend on our currency? Well, this is why the White House is so desperate. They called in the TikTokers to lie to young people. <laughs> They're going to fix also, it. it's but, not but, our but, currency. The U.S. dollar is federal reserve currency. It's a private but, company. But, but, we but, don't but, have the Congress doesn't control it anymore. What it, bothers me the most about what the White House did with these TikTokers, it's basically just like spitting on these kids. Like kids who are finally asking, why is my gas seven bucks in LA? That's one thing that this, this young woman said. She was like, we want to know why gas around the corner is $7 a gallon. It's because of Putin. And I'm like, it's not. It's literally not because of, like, ask yourself why California has $7 a gallon and you go to Arizona or Colorado. It's $4. But that's the oldest mind control game in the book is you need a common enemy when things are tough. You need a distraction and, and you get everyone worked up and now we're in war mode and we've got an enemy. So we're all going to come together. Dude, after 9-11, it was the craziest mass formation psychosis. People wanted to blood. They wanted to be in the Middle East. And then they're like, and Iraq. And they're like, yeah, whatever, man. I'm hungry. Feed me. Look at what they're doing with Ukraine now. There, there, there's a comic mocking leftists. And I'm seeing leftists post it. So I'm actually like, good. Where it's like, Russia says, you know, uh, there's weapons of mass destruction. And they're like, oh, you know, okay, we're okay with that now. Like, the, the, the United States invaded Iraq. Because of weapons of mass destruction. Putin's got weapons of mass destruction. We're going to invade Russia? No, of course not, because Russia's actually a threat to us. The issue is you have all these leftists who pretended to be anti-war, who said war is bad, and now that Ukraine is is all in the press and all in the media, they're all waving the flag saying we got to do something. And they also impeached Trump for suggesting essentially that Biden had some oddly close relationship with Ukraine, and sure enough, it's seeming like he does. 
I think it's undisputed that he his son was on the board of Burisma. Well, that is undisputed. Yeah, it's indisputable for sure. Biden is interwoven in that Ukrainian. Right. But he was trying to claim like, oh, it's no big deal. That's just my son. I don't know. Like he's clearly like obsessed with Ukraine and has been for years. And that was kind of at the heart of, you know, the impeachment is is Trump was kind of right. Like, why? Why are you into Ukraine so much, dude? Like it really doesn't have anything to do with us. I, I'm just asking, do you think it was that he just wants the land mass to, to move oil or is there something more? I mean, this is just a wild. I don't know if you have the answer to this, but what do you think it is? Why Biden has been obsessed with Ukraine for so long? Oh, I, I have no clue other than, you know, I, I mean, we know that obviously his son has a lot of money ties there, but I have no no clue. Oh, boy. It's like the breadbasket of Europe. I was just walking over to grab their water, but come on, Ian. Either <laughs> Russia. We, 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 we talk we about this We cover this all the time. Yeah. It's yeah. either Russia or Europe wants that Ukrainian breadbasket. They want to no, feed no, their no, country. No, that's not it. About 20% of natural gas, I believe, goes through Ukraine uh, from the company Gazprom, which Russia controls. This uh, allows Russia to control prices and make them very, very high. So what we end up seeing in, in, in Europe is energy prices are pretty high. What happened when France tried putting a small petrol tax on the, on the people for climate change reasons? So they claimed climate change. People rioted for a year and a half. So the U.S. and, and Western interests destabilize the, the Middle East, which Syria. Somehow uh, we start seeing Western resources like Mike's plumbing end up in the hands of jihadis. You know. Oh, yeah. U.S. support for rebels, the U.S. allies supporting ISIS, and it was destabilizing Assad. Very, very convenient for us because we wanted to get rid of him so we could build our pipeline to offset the gas prop, gas monopoly. Then you get, you know, uh, Trump comes in. Trump flattens ISIS. Russia's like, okay, good. My ally is, is secure. Trump was doing things that was ending war. It's a good thing. ISIS is bad. Got rid of it. This de-escalated de- de- tensions between Russia and the West. That's a good thing. Joe Biden gets in and what happens? Immediately you start seeing that, you start seeing activity in Syria again. One of the first things we saw under Biden and everyone talked about it was we're hearing reports that U.S. troops were now moving back into Syria. Of course, that's going to make uh, Putin very angry because Syria is an ally and, 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 uh, Russia has a, a military base, a naval base in Tartus. So now U.S. troops going back in was once again aggressing upon Russia and its interests. Then you go to Ukraine. The West starts pushing again. And then Russia says, okay, we're done. We're, we're not doing this. I'm looking at Gazprom. I, First time I've really looked into Gazprom. Yeah, it's, it's not like they control literally all of the, of the gas rates. It's $120 billion in sales in 2019. They said it was rated the largest publicly listed natural gas company in the world and the largest company in Russia by revenue. That's wow. right. The largest Russian company. So Biden was trying to get the oil away from Gazprom and start taking it Compete from— Compete with it. With a different company? Is that Burisma? Uh, it may have been Burisma. Burisma was an energy company. So just so happens that I think there was a CIA director on the board. There was uh, uh, Hunter Biden on the board getting paid $83,000. Well, that's some deep state. No, so these are just corrupt people, man. They're getting like I mean, bureaucrat, got, administrative bureaucrats on the board of an Ukrainian gas company. It's, a, it's, it's, it's as corrupt as they come. But uh, the simple picture is the, the United States and the West were interested in destroying the nations of Syria and Ukraine to save money on gas. Yeah. <laughs> And Iraq. Let's not, let's not mince words. Oh. They're sucking that oil out of that country as we speak. Libya too. My I, God. I, I, Iraq, uh, uh, Iraq a, a little bit. That was, um, it, it seemingly Iraq and Afghanistan was like Bolton's wet dream of invading Iran. <laughs> so Afghanistan and Iraq really allowed the, uh, the United States to position a bunch of military bases on the west and east of Iran. And then you ended up with Bolton under the Trump administration saying, by this time next year, we will be celebrating in Tehran. And it was just like, man, this guy's nuts. Cause, cause Iran is not, 
not like Afghanistan. It is a mountainous, well-defended country with a lot of people. And I think they have really, really great surface-to-air missile capabilities or like anti-air capabilities. Iran? Iran. Iran, Iran yeah. Yeah, yeah. I imagine the Russian. Are they allied with with the Russians? I don't what? think I, I don't think so. Do you, I don't know if you're it's a foreign policy. I imagine they were, they've been yeah. loaded with Russian weaponry or Chinese weaponry Probably. at this point. But this is what's starting to happen. These are the two blocks. So um, yeah, the um, the scary thing is when you when you consider this, and then you consider what it's it's almost like the administration in power right now is a zombie version of what it was during Obama. Like it's trying to walk in the direction, but it's just failing miserably. And now with Saudi Arabia making these moves, they're not answering his phone because they don't respect him. Mm. Because why would I talk to Joe Biden? That guy's not doing anything. I think the world looks at the United States and they say they're fractured within. Their president is, it can't speak straight. He'll do nothing to stop us. And there was a, uh, Russian TV presenter who said that we can, Russia can do anything, including biological or nuclear attacks. And the United States will do nothing to stop us. That's what they said on TV. And that's, I believe, a legitimate viewpoint our adversaries now have. Well, and you have to look at China. I mean, China potentially unleashed a biological weapon in yep. some capacity, and we've done nothing. Yeah, I, I was sort of talking about that on the show the other day, the fact that we argued it was an act of war when non-government Russian actors purchased $46,000 worth of Facebook ads. But China releases a virus, which is, according to Sir Francis... Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, what, what, what's China that? Releases? Oh, a virus was released A virus was released. Or even, got out. We don't even know exactly. if it's accidental, if a country accidentally does something which kills, we're being told, over 800,000 people, it's hard not to consider that an act of war. Yeah, well, at least in the... And, uh, it would, but within when, our border you know, specifically, is blocking congressional hearings. Yeah. I mean, we don't know definitively the answer to these questions, mm-hmm. in part because they refuse to ask the questions. I think because EcoHealth exactly. Alliance was involved, that it's it's multinational at this point. Who I do you go after? You know what? Is it is for, forex trading is something people do, right? Foreign exchange, buying one. Oh yeah, I think so. How much? You know, I'll tell you this. I'm I'm confident in the Chinese currency at this point. I'm not confident in U.S. dollars. I'm not confident in fiat uh, at all. I think this is fiat. The yuan is also fiat. They can yeah, print trillions of it. I'm not going to buy any Chinese currency, but Bitcoin, for sure. You can't print Bitcoin. You can only create what's already there. You can mine it. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm every day. I, I, I hear more and more news where I'm like, how long has the dollar got left? Huh. Yeah. No joke, man. 18 years. It's, 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 it's not like it's the weakest currency in the world. It's strong. You know what I mean? If you look at, um, you know, Khrivna, for instance, Ukraine, I mean, they're just, currency is brutally when bad. you see those countries that have trillion dollar bills right yeah but how long you know how long until the yuan takes over as the reserve currency maybe not overnight but it looks like we may be moving in that direction people look i think when it comes to these currencies you'll take a look at the strength of the government that because the currency is backed by the strength of the government mm-hmm. if the u.s can't maintain the, the the force against other countries to use its currency for oil they'll stop and the U.S. can't back up their their words with guns anymore. It's not working. Russia is proving that. China is proving it. China has a strong and stable authoritarian government. And COVID really shined a light. A lot of other countries are looking at this and they're like, well, you know, when push comes to shove, China will weld, weld your door shut and execute you. Over in the United States, Joe Biden will fall asleep. Joe Pardon? Biden was given the keys to this. You know, he was given the vaccine. He was given uh, uh, all these policies and more deaths and more cases in his first year than under Trump in his last. Yeah. And I think part of it is Americans are, especially the people that want to talk about colonization and think of themselves as globalists. They're actually so sheltered that they can't situate 
international affairs. They're they're they live within America. That's really all they understand. And they hate people like Trump more than they hate our foreign enemies. And so I think a lot of what they're doing is is purely designed to play on American politics when really the world is much bigger than that. And so I wonder, especially when you see these NPCs with their Ukrainian flags and their bios and things like that. Uh, this is really just residual Russiagate hysteria where, you know, Russia bought $50,000 of Facebook ads. Oh, my God. But then the Mueller report, everything falls apart and they've got nothing. And now this is like their last stand of like, see, we told you Russia is bad. It's just so crazy to me that um, there exist people uh, for whatever reason that live in that reality where it's like Smollett's story was a hoax. They believed it. Covington Kids hoax. They believed it. Michael Brown, hands up, don't shoot, was a hoax. They believed it. Russia Gate, they believed it. Ukraine Gate, they believed it. I'm like, I don't understand. At what point does your brain just break from all the lies that are proven to be lies? Or is there something in, in intrinsic to their minds where it's like the lie is better? It's always better to just fall in line. How many of these people actually know they're being lied to but are too scared to say anything so they just keep going along with yeah. it? How if- many people are just so dumb they can't and you never see any reckoning like you never see just even regular people that are posting on facebook and things like that this mullet happens and they're all up in arms you never see them follow up i was wrong or i've learned a lesson i mean i I think we need an apology at some point because if we're not learning from these things uh you know they're obviously going to keep keep happening if there was just some accountability a tiny amount like you mentioned just people having to apologize when they got something completely wrong if we tried to foster a culture where people held their friends accountable for getting outraged over things that turned out not to be true far fewer people would but as it stands there are literally zero social consequences for spreading lies that will promote your political agenda because when it turns out you either were lying or someone else was lying to you and you irresponsibly believed it to, to Despite the fact that they have constantly lied to you in the past and you were willing to listen to them again, there is literally nothing anyone says to you to even remotely bring you any level of shame for the fact that you have made the system work based on complete misinformation and that you're probably going to continue to spread it in the future. I'm visualizing like humans walking a tightrope and I'm down on the bottom watching them all fall off the tightrope. And like I can try and be like, hey, here's how you walk a tightrope. But it's so consuming, time consuming and impossible to teach these people that don't know how to walk it. So I'm just focused on building a better net. Because they're going to keep falling, these stupid people, these moronic hive minds. Well, and they always have this circular logic where it's like, okay, it was fake, but the fact that I could have believed it could have been real only shows that the underlying problem is truer than we ever knew. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy statement. But Ian, in your analogy, it's not that you're watching them on the tightrope. You're on the tightrope, and they're bouncing around and struggling, and it's making you wobble. That's for sure. And you're saying, guys, please – Here's how you walk on a tightrope, and they tell you to shut up, and then one guy pulls out a knife and starts cutting away at the rope, and you're like, okay, we got a problem. The upside of that is all the wobbling has made me become a better tightrope walker, but it's still annoying when they wobble the tightrope. Yes, Ian, all of the chaos has made me better at survival. Yes. Truth be told. Thank you for the resistance. looking forward to that tightrope snapping, and then I hold on and swing like Tarzan off to safety. Like As you're talking about these people (laughs) just buying the lies over and over again, I'm like getting frustrated and then I start to get angry and like I, I can't help those people anymore. I can't and, and I think try. that's a really important point. I mean, there's an emotional cost to all this. Like, it's just not fun to argue with your friends who are saying this stuff that you don't agree with politically. You see the people that put the effort into really kind of being congenial and saying, well, where'd you get that? Let me question this assumption. It's easier just to ignore them because it's just grueling. It's just uh, you're on a treadmill and it's frustrating. Yeah. And uh, I think people just give up. And that's where you start to see this country separating because 
it's just not fun. I mean, who wants to do it? Let me let me let me pull up this story that I, this is from uh, Daily Mail. GOP rep Madison Cawthorn claimed he carried weapons in his wheelchair on oh. January 6th to arm those around him in unearthed clip of a phone call. Now hold on there a minute. What? The first thing I want to say, Such a the left is using this at, to to uh, insinuate that Madison Cawthorn was trying to arm rioters. That's not true. Madison Cawthorn was talking about arming members of Congress and their staff to use weapons against the rioters. Here's the best part, though. Unearthed clip, so saith Daily Mail. Huh. What does that mean? This was on a public broadcast. It was on, a, it was on the Charlie, it was Charlie Kirk's podcast, I believe. This wasn't unearthed. Anybody who watches that show, and it's a very popular show, knows this was said. They're saying unearthed because they don't view you as a human being and citizen of this country. You don't matter. Your conversations don't matter. They unearthed it. Mm-hmm. I love that analogy. Christopher Columbus, did he discover America? No. Well, first of all, he landed in the Bahamas. But if you want to talk about discovering the continent, there were already people here. From a European historical perspective, that's that's it, right? That's how I view this. These people are like, look what we've discovered. And it's like, bro, I saw that episode. Like, that was a long time ago. Is this news to you? I didn't actually see the episode. That's the point, though. They say this. Cawthorn was interviewed by phone on conservative activist Charlie Kirk's radio show on January 6th, seemingly while rioters were actively storming the Capitol. The freshman lawmaker said everyone around me is armed, but didn't say where. He also claimed Rep. Lauren Boebert was carrying a weapon that day. The Colorado Republicans previously told Fox News just days after the insurrection that she had not been armed that day, but said others were. Well, then maybe Madison Cawthorn was incorrect because a direct source contradicts it. Neither Cawthorn nor Boebert have responded to a request for comment. So if um, an insurrection is happening against sitting members of Congress and the government, and one of them is armed and says, quick, the rioters are coming, take this weapon. Shouldn't the Democrats be happy about that? Shouldn't they be like, wow, he was actually threatening lethal force against violent insurrectionists? He was stopping the insurrection. He was fighting That's right. back. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Madison Cawthorn tried to save this country from the insurrection. That's the headline right the there. The insurrection where basically nobody brought any weapons. Right. Exactly. That insurrection. Well, some people brought weapons not to the Capitol, but, mm-hmm. you know, they had weapons in their cars and stuff like that. But the craziest thing about this is there was a Reddit post I saw where they're, they're, they're pushing this idea that Cawthorn and Bobert were arming, or mostly Cawthorn was arming rioters. Like they were giving. And they're, they're claiming that a man in a wheelchair was mm-hmm. about to commit like a lethal terrorist attack. I mean, it's, he's, he's in a wheelchair. I mean, who, who's going to be afraid of him? Yeah, I don't know. This is another story where you can see they lie. They manipulate the truth to make it seem like it's something. It's odd because the Daily Mail is conservative, but it's also English. So they're right. kind of coming. This is an odd story for that reason. And it's, it's, it's a complete misrepresentation of what happened. It is a complete misrepresentation of what happened. Unearthed and also, yeah, carried his weapons in wheelchair to Let arm me. those around him. Are you leaving a little bit of important context out of that one? Yeah, a little bit. I was just going to say, too, that I can't believe how deeply entrenched their ideology is because for them to look at something like someone actually bringing a weapon where it might need to be used and scream and point and freak out, that's silly to me. Like, he was possibly potentially defending some of these people but they have to control the narrative so that it looks like he was trying to arm the the rioters when in fact we know that a huge majority of the people there did not even have arms at all which flatly contradicts their ongoing narrative that they were there to cause trouble and do violence to the people who were at work there 
Is this is this show? Uh, this is a Charlie Kirk show. Is was this? Is, is it the same as his podcast? Do you guys know or no? I think so. Not this, sure. This was uh, Charlie Kirk's investigative reporting of having a public conversation yes, with somebody. Sorry. Yeah, very on, on the radio. Yeah, on the yes. radio. <laughs> but no, I mean, think about that. When, so, to these people in 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 the media. Because look, I know it's I know it's Daily Mail is 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 conservative and and they do often challenge. They're kind of you know they can go either way. It's a big company. Um, the the reason they say that is because the the the, the Reddit threads and the in the comments about it were like newly discovered clip. These people in in establishment and corporate press, they think you you watching a show it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. They have to discover it and then say it was discovered. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like, bro, if, if 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 there's millions of people already in America and then you show up, I hate to tell you, but you didn't discover it. Huh. Yeah. There's people here. Well, you know? and it, it makes me wonder, Luke, as someone who does genuine investigative journalism and has to interview people and comb through information and find original sources, when you see that people can watch a podcast, clip a moment from that podcast, and then call it journalism, how does that make you feel? Uh, you know, I think there's a couple issues here. The first is kind of ascribing malice when, you know, incompetence is an e- easier explanation. There's a lot of journalists now that aren't really even journalists. They're lazy, low-paid 22-year-olds yep. who don't know anything about anything. And they just literally, like, look at Reddit and write a little blog post. Um, you know, but the other thing is when I was doing the Loudoun County story and I revealed this cover-up of a rape, the other media didn't cover it. And by doing that, they relegated it to this conservative media story. And so I think that sometimes it works to their advantage. A story becomes stigmatized just because they didn't cover it. And then they, you know, it's, it's circular reasoning. They, they cause it to be a conservative media story. And then they say, well, we don't need to go into the conservative ghetto and read things because mm-hmm. if it's a real story, it'll come from us. Mm-hmm. Conservative ghetto. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. We need parallel economies. You know, it, it's, it's, there was a point where I said, I'm worried about it with the censorship and, and everything that it was going to force people into two separate economies. Yeah. Now it's time. The, 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 the anti-establishment, it's not even just conservative, but the anti-establishment, post-liberal, libertarian, conservative, whatever group, need, they need their own infrastructure. We need our own payment processors, which there, there are some. We need to basically tell these people, we just don't care anymore. You know, it's not that we don't care, it's that it's pointless trying to talk to people who don't view you as a part of civilization or society when they, when they, when they actually act as though you are like some kind of, you know, peasant or uh, subterranean humanoid creature who's not on par with them and their nobility what's the point in, in having a conversation with that person they, they consider your outlets fake news mm-hmm. if i'm going to write a story and then they say it's unearthed or they call it you know conservative news says that's just like i don't care who they're talking to those people are are you know i, I they're not paying attention that they're, they're not interested in paying attention so, so we got to find people who are actively looking for answers and want to improve themselves. You know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, as they say. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we do want to try and wake a lot of these people up. But for the most part, I look at this and I'm just like, they they view you as unhuman. Mm-hmm. You can't make them drink. You can make them thirsty, but that arguably thirsty. run them around a lot. Salt. Then when you take them to water, they're more likely. Salt. But that's yeah. with a human. That's a little unethical to use, use them like a horse, you know. So I don't know if making people thirsty. Well, is you, the can, right you can reason with a person. Or I at mean, least attempt to. Dude, reason. It, people are seeking logic and reason. Mm-hmm. They need it. Mm-hmm. It's part of the balance of the spirit, and I think it's missing. So maybe you can bring reason to people. That might help. I mean, truth be told, you can definitely make a horse drink. I, I kind of don't understand the saying. It's like you can bring the horse to water, and then you can 
splash a bucket in its face. You can jam a, you know, a hose in its face or something and spray it, and it'll st- it'll get mad. But you know, it depending on how many people you have, you could you could tie the thing down and <laughs> pour water in its. That's horse abuse. Yeah, it is. Well, <laughs> I, I, like if if you've got a horse that's dehydrated, yeah, it needs and a, it won't you probably drink. do you intervi- uh, What do you call it? Subcutaneous fluids. Yeah, and a little IV injection fluids, under the yeah. skin. <laughs> horse IV drip. Yeah, yeah. Well, any you know what? When I, when I when I see stories like this, and it's just another day, another same story, I just wonder, you know, what's what's the next step in the in the escalation and the polarization and the splitting? Because now they're actually trying to insinuate that a sitting member of Congress is arming rioters for an insurrection. This is just completely consistent with their narrative, and this is something that they've refused to let go of, which is really interesting to me to watch, because even in the midst of Ukraine and all their posturing and politically correct virtue signaling about how much they dislike Russia, they still have time to point out that, oh, January 6th was still truly terrible, never mind that Ukraine is actually being shelled by Russians. This is still the worst thing that's ever happened on American soil, just a bunch of old people who wandered into the Capitol building. It's insane to me. November's going to be lit. It's already been lit this year. Uh, one, yeah, that's crazy for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing I want to mention here about the media and media bias, I'm sure you guys can probably relate to this on some level unless your evolution occurred more quickly than mine. But even just a few years ago, I understood and viewed the media as being left wing and having that bias. But I still thought I can see what they're saying. And every once in a while, they might get something right. But at this point, my perspective is that they are always lying all the time. And I can literally trust nothing that they say. And to sort of segue into your investigative reporting, when you look at the Loudoun County case with them referring to a father who was angry over his daughter literally being raped in a cover-up, and the media reporting on this as if he was some kind of maniac and the face of parental abusive teachers. Yeah, and I mean, what I did with that story was so simple. that Everyone saw the story on CNN, the video, every news outlet uh, of this guy being arrested, this kind of overweight white male plumber that got beat up by the cops and handcuffed at a school board meeting. And they all thought they knew why. They didn't need to ask him why he was mad because mm-hmm. they all thought they knew. He was a bigot. He probably hates gays. He probably hates blacks. Who knows? But we know. Um, and so all I did is call him up and say, look, the, your, your video is being played around the globe. We all saw that you were mad. Well, why were you mad? And he told me that his daughter was raped three, three weeks prior by a boy wearing a skirt. And the superintendent had just lied and said it never happened. So... uh it is, uh, you know, baffling and, and there, there, it's not as if the investigative resources aren't there. I mean, they literally were, went out of their way to obtain video of this guy and put him on TV, but no one thought to, to call him. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really a horrific part of the scandal is you literally called the guy and that's how you got this information. I mean, the, the absolute minimum that these journalists should have been doing. Let me, let me read for you a quote from George Orwell, Seamus. Oh, oh, I'd appreciate. love it. You know what really frustrates me about the Orwell quote stuff, though, is whenever you do it, they pull up his fictional writing. And I'm like, no, no, no. Tell me about the man and his recollections of history and observations. So this is one of his greater quotes. He said, early in life, I had noticed that no event is ever correctly reported in a newspaper. Hmm. But in Spain, for the first time, I saw newspaper reports which did not bear any relation to the facts, not even the relationship which, which is implied in an ordinary lie. I saw great battles reported where there had been no fighting. And complete silence where hundreds of men had been killed. I saw troops who had fought bravely denounced as cowards and traitors. And others who had never seen a shot fired hailed as as the heroes of imaginary victories. And I saw newspapers in London retailing these lies. And eager intellectuals building emotional superstructures over events that had never happened. I saw, in fact, history being written not in terms of what happened, 
but what ought to have happened huh. according to various party lines. How little things change. Amazing. Yeah. How little things change, Seamus says, spot on. Because I look at this and I'm like, that's exactly what we're seeing now. It's amazing. Has it ever really changed? Has it always been that way? I think it's always been like I, that. I think so. But what's really fantastic is the fact that at least for the time being, the average person does have the ability to look into things on their own. So alternative uh, alternative media didn't really exist at that time in the way that it does today. We are able to broadcast our messages to literal thousands, if not millions of people. Well, and I came across a meme the other day. It was talking about if the news is fake, imagine what history is like. And I'm like, that's oh, yeah. really interesting. Because we all know history is written by the victors, but who knows what their take on it was? Who, know, who knows which part of the victors is actually recording what happened? Let's, uh, let's, let's segue over to this next story, oh, which uh, may be a, a um, contributing factor in an upcoming civil war here in these United States. Mm. From TimCast.com, Idaho passes bill banning abortions after six weeks Idaho Senate Bill 1309 is modeled after similar Texas legislation passed last year. The bill now goes to Governor Brad Little to be signed into law. Little has supported similar abortion bans, but has not yet offered public comment on this bill. The abortion bill does include exceptions for circumstances such as rape, incest, and medical emergencies. The current abortion laws in Idaho authorize abortions until the fetus is viable outside the womb, typically around 24 weeks. If the governor signs the bill, the new Idaho abortion ban could take effect as early as April. So we're seeing similar laws. Uh, they, they mention uh, over at Timcast uh, in Mississippi. There's there's Texas, and they say at least 12 states have introduced bills modeled after the, after the Texas abortion ban. The Texas Law Senate Bill 8 empowers private citizens to sue anyone who helps facilitate an abortion after the legal limit. This is a big story because six weeks, I think, is in terms of what we've seen across the country, the shortest amount of time so far, I believe, right? Because like 11 weeks was Mississippi, and they got sued over that. Now it's six weeks. A lot of people, even people on the left, believe that Roe v. Wade will be overturned come what, June? So this is just another, another, you know, uh, shot across the bow. Maybe it's not even the right way to put it. I mean, this is another law. Leftists, abortion activists are going to go after this absolutely. But it may be meaningless if come June, they issue a, issue a ruling overturning Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Well, and of course, they will not be able to stand the fact that unborn children are not being murdered in your state, even if that continues to be legal in their state. Well, I think there's sort of a defensive mechanism here as far as I think one of the big issues in our country is when people move from California or New York to Texas, um, because because of Texas's success, it actually leads to failure. Um, and so by doing something like this, it's actually not even about abortion. What it's saying is those people in, in Seattle and, and Washington State and Oregon right over the, the state line, I believe, of Idaho, who are moving into Idaho, it's saying stay out. And it's necessary to do that because otherwise Idaho will become uh, Portland in however many decades. Well, Very but, interesting. But I, I hear what you're saying, but think about the implication there. Do you believe that there are um, women who are – scared that if they go to Idaho, they won't be able to get abortions. Like, it's just kind of a crazy thought to me that there's a woman who's like, but what if I get pregnant and I can't terminate the pregnancy in this state? You know what I mean? So you're suggesting if a woman wanted an abortion and she was in an, she was an Idaho resident, she would just cross the state line to get it? Well, not necessarily. What I, what I mean is, like, the implication is effectively, if this is true, that this bill is a warning to these people the only reason they'd be scared is because they plan on having an abortion. Sometime. No, because they're obsessed with virtue signaling. I mean, look at all the boycotts they do of Florida and Texas for all kinds of bills that really won't affect almost anyone. It's just a symbolic gesture that this isn't, you're not going to fit in here. 
It's amazing how they lie too. Like we, I can't get over the Florida uh, parental rights bill, which huh. they keep lying about constantly. constantly. Yeah. Well, and with this, I'm not sure why they decided to do it. I want to just ascribe the best possible motivation to them and say they're really trying to save unborn children and really God bless them for doing this. But I do think it could have this very interesting side effect you bring up if you were left-wing people being willing to move to these states. But that said, on the other hand, you're mentioning virtue signaling here. And an important part of that concept is it's completely hollow and meaningless. So I think there could be reason to believe that these left-wingers still might end up moving to these places just because all they know how to do is engage in hollow, symbolic virtue signaling and their actions never map onto this. Yeah, so things they say they want. So, we, we, you know, I, I deal with this when we, we've been looking at property in West Virginia, more so in the past year, but now that we have the new property, haven't, haven't, hasn't really come up. But one of the issues is we hear a lot from locals that there will be maybe a pig farm or a shooting range. And then these DC people who are trying to escape the cities over COVID and other problems that they create move out here. When they go to buy the property, they're told, now you have to sign these documents saying you acknowledge there's a shooting range and a pig farm nearby and it's going to stink and be loud. And they go, oh yeah, of course. But what happens then when 10 more people move in all around the pig farm and shooting range? Mm -hmm. Now there's more of them than you. And they say, okay, we did agree to that, but now we're going to have a vote. Oh, look at that. We've all voted to get rid of your property. And now you're gone. Yep. So that's one of the things we see. So I'm not entirely convinced the leftists will be like, oh, no, we better stay out. They're going to be, they're going to move in and go, wait, I can't do what? And then eventually enough move in and they say, vote, get rid of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you're saying, though, about it. It's sort of a prelude to a civil war, some sort of national separation is the 50 states uh, just in increasingly uh, uh, states going far left and far right. And, and so there's a differentiation within the country, even if nominally we're still one. Um, because people are very mobile now, especially after coronavirus, yeah. a lot of people working from home. I think we're going to see people self-segregating politically. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was the point I was bringing up initially is that um – I think abortion could be a great moral cause for the left or the right, which could be, you know, on par with slavery. Of course, the left will probably scream at me for saying something like that, like what? Or maybe they'll agree. No, they'll agree because yeah. they say it is literal slavery for a woman to not be able to murder her unborn child. Right. So I've heard that it's, argument. It's like the moral issue may be on par with that. Denying a woman her right, they could say, mm -hmm. what, what, did, what did George Carlin call it? Being a brood mare for the state. If that's if that's the left's perspective on, you know, bearing a child when they decide not to or they don't want to, then they probably would agree it's a great moral cause on par with slavery. But if that's the case and you've got there's no there's literally no middle ground. There's zero. There's, there's zero middle ground. It's just there's no. So how do you how do you resolve something like that? If they overturn Roe v. Wade, I think you're going to see a bunch of uh, states to start banning it. And then I wonder. You know, will you see leftists setting up makeshift underground, the underground abortion clinic railroad or things like that? For sure. You think so? Oh, yeah, yeah. Abortion since the dawn of humanity has been part of us species. I can't imagine stop it ever stopping. I, so I'm sure that some people will still attempt to have abortions, but I believe that it will be greatly decreasing in number in the places where it's illegal. But I think what Tim's asking is not necessarily will there be people who break this law, but are left-wingers going to try to set up an entire underground infrastructure to continue abortion? To get a girl out of the state without people knowing. Yeah, exactly. yeah something I, I like would that. Imagine, yeah. Because if you, think about, if you think about it, if someone lives in a state that allows it, and they don't want to get one, they don't do anything. They just say, I'm not going to get one. Uh, but so another reason why I do genuinely believe that abortion bans work 
is because, I mean, this was a while ago and I can't remember the exact state, but Planned Parenthood tweeted something out. I, I don't think it was the, um, the Texas law because that was too recent, but they basically tweeted a frowny face about how in certain areas where abortion was more difficult to access, the birth rate had increased. Oh no. I have to find this. I, it's, it's actually ridiculous. What um, I'll see if, I'll see if I can pull this up, but. I mean, people also, the A, the law as a teacher, and B, if abortion bans didn't decrease the prevalence of abortion, the left wouldn't be upset by them. Mm, that's a good point. And one that's very relevant, because I think that they're afraid of actually changing the thinking about abortion and about things like parenthood. And I think that very much goes back to feminism and telling women that they have to get rid of this unwanted child if it unfortunately happens to them we don't know how this happens but you know children happen they just have to get rid of them somehow and they just fall flat because they're like well if you wanted to stay at home and be a mother you would just have a kid and you couldn't abort them and then you could be a worker and i think that also gets back to communism but that's very serious. and i think there's a sort of a pattern emerging of the democrats becoming the party that hates children um mm-hmm. with closing down schools for two years because of the, their deference to the teachers union which is a vicious and ruthless thing to do i mean children killed themselves because of that children are going to be illiterate irreparable harm was mm-hmm. done um you see the things like uh you know covering up the rape in loud and you see things like in florida where they want to groom your kids at the age of uh, kin- uh you know kindergarten uh into being you know transsexual or whatever um this is almost uh, another thing is the and this is important coming back to the migratory patterns that we're seeing with coronavirus uh democrats love urbanizing areas if they can build dense buildings yes. um that is how their real way of taking over an area you want to have more if you have more than an acre you're going to be conservative if you have less than an acre you're probably going to be liberal wasn't, um, wasn't that a big thing that uh, you know they wanted to uh, uh urbanize the suburbs absolutely they want to get rid of and joe biden this was part of his platform to ban single family zoning and yeah. so they think we should all live in cities and take trains or buses everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that is an anti-child policy, too, because as anyone who has children knows, you're not going to go to the store and lug home four gallons of milk and, you know, Costco size, you know, whatever, all the stuff that we all do as parents. It's impossible to do uh, in this urban lifestyle. Um, and Democrats are obsessed. They want you to live in a high rise. They don't want you to have land. Um, it is uh, really anti. There's a number of ways that the Democrats are anti-family beyond abortion. I, I think when you get out of cities and actually experience having land and space, you never want to go back. Dude, the cities were another reality before the Internet in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. It was the only way to go to get involved with anything bigger than Farmtown USA. So I went to New York City 2001. You want to be an actor. Now you don't need any of that. Cities Online just, is the city. Yeah. That's where everyone gets together. The power goes out. Your immediate community is key. If the power went out, then maybe we'd start to form. I think maybe cities was like a stepping stone of our evolution towards. But that's if the power stays on. If the electricity goes out, then it's hard to communicate. I'm waiting for Starlink, man. We're getting we're getting uh, uh, solar upgrades. We're you know we're waiting on um, Starlink. So once we have Starlink, it's like you got. I hear it's not that good. You know, you know, an initial test runs were, you know, 100 megabits or something, but now I'm hearing that once everyone starts using it, it drops down to maybe wow. like 10 or so. But it's, it's like, uh, um, lower latency, which means you can game and do stuff. This means people could be working out of Montana, dude. You know, so it really allows people to kind of spread out. And I think one of the biggest problems is population density in cities. It makes people go insane. No freedom. You, you can know, work on a mm-hmm. boat with Starlink. You could live on a boat yeah. in the ocean. Yeah. I you wonder know. if that explains some of the irrational behavior, the mm-hmm. high-strung nature of some of these, uh, you know, hyper-online uh, leftist journalists and things like that. Just the mental stress of living in a city. Oh, dude. I mean, when I when I worked at uh, Fusion, 
my apartment in Brooklyn was two grand per month. And it was, they called it a two bedroom because the living room and the kitchen were one room. <laughs> and then the living room was a bedroom. So it was a two bedroom. It was a one bedroom, but that's how they do it. I know a bunch of journalists who lived in railroad apartments. You ever see a railroad apartment in New York City? A railroad, apart- railroad apartment is one long room with doors every third of the way. So you have a bedroom with a door in the front and the back, and your roommates walk through your room to get to their room. Oh, wow. It is miserable. It is a bizarre dynamic where they're all lecturing or looking down on everyone in in the middle of the country. And the people in the middle of the country are just laughing at them like, dude, I'm sitting on my deck looking at mountains, looking at a, you know, I I had some urbanist lecturing me, and I was like, I'm looking out my window, and I I, I see a fox taking a nap in my apple (laughs) orchard, which was true. I have 40 40 fruit trees, and a a fox was taking a nap. And their only retort was, you're lying. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So they just, they can't comprehend that people actually do live this way. And it doesn't necessarily require more money or anything. It's just our way of living is better than theirs. Let me, let me, let me tell you about um, what's a good deterrent for keeping urban city, city urban liberal types out. We have the story from TimCast.com. Ohio becomes 23rd state to pass constitutional permitless concealed carry uh, gun law. Ohio joins a number of other states to uphold the Second Amendment right of private citizens. Bravo, Ohio. Welcome to the club. West Virginia, of course, uh, constitutional carry. I love it because that means that uh, uh, if you're armed in West Virginia, you can pop over to Ohio. No big deal because it's all constitutional carry. You don't got to worry about it. That's That's the way it should be. But, man... And the state laws I, uh, are so great because the problem is if you try to if the if the country were to separate in some sort of civil war, there's no way to draw that line because the Democrats live in cities. There are no Democrat. There are no blue states. There's only blue cities. Right. And so you'd have to create some crazy border line that just somehow encapsulates all the cities. Well, um, they they they'd be they'd be cut off in seconds. But they can't create their own uh, democratic enclaves within states when you talk about these issues like guns and abortion. Those those still apply in the cities no matter what they do. When I talk to my friends about uh, you know concealed carry, when I talk to my, my, my more liberal gun control-y people I know, uh, it's funny because they, they can't fathom why it would be a good thing and it's like worrying to them. And I love tweeting it, just triggering the left. I'm like, more guns! Buy guns! And they're like, oh! And they get all angry and... Um, I don't want to say the dude's name, but one of those activists, like I tweeted about everyone should buy a gun or something like that. Or it was something silly, trolly, where I was like, more guns, you know, guns for everyone. And then he got like all offended and scared. And I'm just, you know, I answer my friends. They're like, why should, so? why is it a good thing? And I was like, that regular people have the same rights as the politicians. Like, do you think politicians should have special privileges that regular people don't? Do you think powerful corporations should have special privileges? People don't. Do you think billionaires should have special privileges? People don't. Well, guess what? The billionaires walk around with guns. The billionaires got armed security. The millionaires got armed security. The politicians got guns. The politicians got armed security. Politicians are allowed to carry in D.C. You're not. So when they pass constitutional carry, I see it as a great normalizer. You want it. You want it. This is in the United States. We're all equals. This is representative government. That you, you could Nancy Pelosi is no more politically powerful on, on legally than you or I. Now, on paper and the way reality and society works, of course, she's got political power and clout and all that stuff. The point is, if, if you know, I grew up in Chicago, politicians are armed, armed security. You, screw you. In one of the worst gun crime, you know, cities, one of the worst gun crime states. Nah, screw that. Everybody has a right to keep and bear arms. Let's equalize it. If you get to, so do I. I love it. It's pretty awesome because if the fall of the Roman Republic... If the citizens had been armed, Caesar may not have been able to overthrow that republic. Probably wouldn't have been able to. 
So it's obvious that we live in a deeply divided country. We just have different opinions, and they're probably not reconcilable. Um, the idea of a national divorce is probably a pretty, obviously, a pretty radical and uh, untenable, probably, proposition. But one of the things we can do now at the local level is incorporate new towns. So if you live in a large county, um, like where I live in Fairfax, Virginia, they, especially basically all of the South, I think it grew out of the plantation system. The counties are the primary um, governments. Now, it's different in places like New Jersey, where you already have these little towns. But a lot of people live in these sprawling county regions. And one thing you can do is start incorporating new towns and smaller local governments that better reflect your needs. So if you want to live in a communist utopia, go for it. And if you want to live right next door in the, in the, in the right-leaning town, go for it. But, um, states, Republican states can empower basically to create a new city, uh, that can have its own police force, its own laws, its own prosecutor, its own everything, tax rate. Um, you usually need it to be granted a charter from the state. Yeah. So what Republican legislatures need to do is say, look, if any, geographical boundary and you can create it you're on your own you can just say look these 100 square blocks or whatever draw your own boundary on a map you put it on a ballot you get a referendum if 51 percent of people want to form a new town boom you have a new town you run it the way you want so uh we got free domestan out in west virginia i think you need what 100 people residents to form a town is that is that what it is maybe so then uh we'll we'll once we reach that number of people we'll be like how would you like to be a city and then you know we'll incorporate for domestan mm-hmm. And then we'll have a town, and then we'll start creating laws like you can't censor people. And, of course, a town of 100 people will still have very little weight against the might of, say, Twitter or whatever. But it'll be really interesting to see how our city's police force deals with filing you know, legal paperwork with the state. They're in violation of city law, how they'll respond to it. And, of course, schools is, the, is one of the oh, big yeah. ones here. Oh, that's because schools will be fun. You know, because we're going to like everyone will basically agree on, on what schools are supposed to be and what they should be. Pod yeah. schooling. That kind of. Well, no, I mean, like if we have a school district and we incorporate a town, we're going to be like CRT, get out. Like, I don't care if you teach kids about the like. So I, we, we, we talked with one of our guests about this because he was like, you want to you want to ban people learning about critical race theory. And I'm like, no, no, no we want to ban the indoctrination of kids under the, the, the ideology of critical race theory. If you came to me and said, I would like my child to read a book about critical race theory and the Bible and Marx, and, uh, um, you know, wh- which one was uh, um, Adam Smith? The Whatever. If they want to read Adam Smith, I'd be like, by all means, let's teach the children about the ideology of Adam Smith and Karl Marx. Let's teach them about the ideology of these critical race theorists, not indoctrinate them. To well, let's teach views. them basic math first, because right. we haven't <laughs> managed to even do that yet. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. What? I mean, the, the, it, it's funny how we're having a conversation about complex ideological ideas when these kids in these in these in fourth grade should be learning division. And that's the issue with all this stuff in the schools. It's designed to distract from the fact that we've got 11 percent kids proficient yes. in American history, 24 percent in math, 36 yes. percent in reading. Those are deeply embarrassing. So we bring critical race theory in, and it says tests aren't real, objectivity isn't a real thing. Wanting the right answer is a function of whiteness. It's really just a distraction. It's all about the the whole um, debate over critical race theory has really been a bit of a um, like a distraction. The, that's the whole. It's all it comes down to the academics. Or when you're doing your book, race to the bottom. Does, does that would you just constantly uncover it? Like what were you uncovering when it came to the distraction of CRT? Yeah, I mean that's what I thought it was. First, you, you know, like the shutdown was insane. You know, so many families were devastated. Like how are you supposed to work and watch your kids at the same time? Does anyone even care? And then, of course, CRT, but when I'm looking into it, like, our kids are, our country is so screwed because our kids do not know math. They don't know how to read and write. Uh, what is going to happen? And we're not talking about way out in the distant future. 
um, those statistics I just mentioned are for 12th graders. So they're going to be voting next year. They're going to be employed next year. Um, this is the most imminent national security threat to our country. Math is interesting. It's a language. I think of it as like if you if you miss a week of homework and you don't follow like what the term means, then when they use the term next week, you don't know what they're talking about and you next have to learn week. the language as you go. Yeah. So like if you miss three or four days of math, it's hard to catch up without learning because they teach you terms. They're giving you language, a language class, basically. Um, whereas history, you can just pop in and start learning. And then if you miss a spot, you can kind of fill in the gaps. Is, Math is a tough one. This is one of the problems I have with school, man, to be completely honest, that it's like everyone must learn at the exact same pace or else. Yeah. Those who are too slow are left behind, and those who are too quick must sit there bored and confused and frustrated. Yeah. It that just was, doesn't work. It was terrible. Yeah. I'd raise my hand, and they would just pass over me because I kept raising my hand over and over. I'm like, why isn't anyone answering? Right. I know the and answer. And these are the people that love diversity, but they they don't. Uh, they argue that people are actually not diverse when it comes to that. We've all got to learn the same thing at the same time. And you know, you, you, it's equity is equal outcomes by race and things like that. And you get equal equal outcomes by bringing down the top performers to the lowest the level of the lowest common denominator. And at, at this stage in America, that's actually very very low. Cut out the tall grass. Twenty percent of people are proficient in twelfth grade math that are graduating. These are graduating students. Twenty four percent. Yep. Wow. And it's not hard to be proficient here. It's a pretty low bar. Algebra. I could see how algebra is confusing if you never learned variables, geometry. I mean, well, look, man. There's angles let's, and let's, stuff. Let's, Trigonometry is a little. Let's be real. When you live in the pod hooked up to the metaverse yes. and they're they're funneling bug protein mush into your gut straight through a tube and you live in the realm of Skyrim or Elder Scrolls or whatever and uh, you have no idea what the real world is like, you're not going to care about any of this. Yeah. Have you guys ever um, talked about or heard about the philanthropic foundations, like the creepy history of the Ford Foundation and things like that? No. no, no. no. I think you'd be interested in that. Um, part of when I'm researching all this school stuff, CRT – I think it really comes from those foundations, which are like you're watching PBS and you'll hear, you know, this segment brought to you by the MacArthur Foundation. Or you go to like the art museum and it's like, oh, funded by, you know, the Ford Foundation. It's like, okay, these are just some nice old rich people, whatever. Never thought about it before. These are the most important and secretive and creepy forces in American politics. They are so powerful uh, and they all collude. So you've got a bunch of billion dollar organizations all working together. And so you think back to the early 1910s, you've got Carnegie, he's got a vertical monopoly on steel, mm. Ford obviously doing the auto stuff. It's a bunch of monopolists. And Teddy Roosevelt comes along and trust us, monopolies are a bad thing. So the families all stash their money in these tax-exempt foundations that live in perpetuity because they're just spending the dividends. So they live forever. This this wealth of these monopolists from 100 years ago is preserved forever in eternity. Mm. Um the thing is, okay, so they're all capitalists, and now the foundations are doing, trying to overthrow capitalism, which is ironic. Um, but they were also racist creeps. They were capitalist racist creeps from 100 years ago. Um, and so you might have heard about, like, Kellogg Brothers. I don't know. I think there's, like, a documentary about one. Really creepy guy. He's, like, um, uh, I don't know. Like, he... he didn't he, he, he made cornflakes to stop kids from cranking it? Right? Yes, Kellogg? yes. Yeah. Weird stuff about right. masturbation, all that kind of did stuff. He, did he promote circumcision in the U.S. or am I thinking of somebody else? I don't know, but he was He's upset with the the all these little boys tubing it, so he That's thought yes. that getting them cornflakes would do something about it. Weird stuff no with circum- circumcision, yeah. And, and so they, their whole thing was they were these progressive elites that wanted to make the world a better place. And they to do that, they thought we should get rid of black people. Um, and so their thing was eugenics. And they, you know... 
they lobbied, they got laws passed that you could sterilize defective people, people mm. with mental retardation, um, and essentially minorities. They went over to Puerto Rico and they sterilized a third of the women over there so they, wow. you couldn't reproduce Hispanic population into wow. American citizens. Um, and, and so by the 1940s, the Rockefeller Foundation had this, um, seven acre warehouse on Long Island where they had boxes showing the family trees of every American family for the purposes of seeing who had good genes and which had genes we should get rid of. Um, these are creeps, social engineering creeps. Um, you know, fast forward, they continue doing similarly racist stuff and it kind of evolves with the time and uses different language to hide it. Mm-hmm. So by like the 1990s, they're still trying to get rid of black people, but they're doing it through abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're, yes. they're really targeting the black community for abortion. Um, anyway, so that's the history of the fact. The, uh, the, they touch on a lot of aspects of life that I came across them through them pushing critical race theory in the schools and society at large. But um, I know it sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it's true. And if people don't understand it because the foundations don't, they're not the forward facing. They have fronts. They give money to these other groups that then do the thing. But it's not like they're just donating to groups that were already going to do that anyway. What they do is they'll say, well, we're looking to fund X, Y, Z. And suddenly everyone with a nonprofit says, we've got a grant proposal to do yep. that. We're, we're applying. And so they steer the direction of America by signaling what they're going to put money at. And then all these activists do exactly that. That's oh. her- Terrific. Hold on. I want to ask. So you're saying they had family trees of every American family? Or did I mishear that? Uh, I, I don't know exactly how comprehensive it was. It was extraordinarily comp- comprehensive. Um, and that was the gist of it. Yeah. How now can they we... have ancestry. You yeah. know, DNA, 23 in me or whatever. They call it impact investing. What these what these organizations have been doing and the idea is you, you put money in a sector until someone bites and then you basically create a sector. You, you, mm-hmm. you, and it's going to be 21st century devastate impact economy is on its way. This is something, um, Allison McDowell talks a lot about. It's definitely, you see it in YouTube where people were like, even just getting people getting funded, like you make a video about X, X gets more views. You might want to make another video about X. Yeah. Who knows where those views are bots or what, but somebody is That's giving the- you that impact. It's really, really easy to uh, throw money behind a YouTuber that you like. And allow them to keep doing it through the shadows. You can so I, I, I haven't I haven't used YouTube ads in some years, uh, but back in the day when I was you know, you know working in more in marketing, you could go on YouTube, find a YouTuber channel you wanted to advertise on, and advertise directly on their channel. That means you're funding them directly without them realizing it, whether you whether it's intentional or not. Maybe you're like, hey, I want to sell these you know rock'em sock'em you know robot things modeled after the Young Turks. So you'd put it on their channel so that their fans would buy it. That also means that you could buy garbage ads for no reason and just put $1,000 into their channel, which they get a portion of, I think 65 or 70%. So there's ways to like shadow fund certain personalities you like. So it used to be that when it came to journalism, they wouldn't go to a journalist and say, do as you're told or else. They would find someone who already wrote lies and say, want a job? Mm. Nowadays, what they do is they find YouTube channels that fit the agenda or what they like. And, you know, they make sure the advertising money is going good for them. And they don't realize that the, these YouTube channels that are doing well don't realize they're actually being funded by these organizations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But going back to what you were saying about these left-wing progressive organizations that from the get-go were involved with the eugenics project, it's 
interesting because the left likes to play this game where anytime you point to something that the progressive movement did in the past, they say, well, that was conservative or more conservative because it happened in the past. But we as modern progressives don't believe in that. So a progressive at that time would not have been on that side of the issue, despite the fact that the progressives of that era were quite clearly on that particular side of the issue. And so the left can pick up any horrific idea they want. And when it turns out to be a complete disaster for everyone, instead of losing any credibility, they just get to say, well, no, 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 we're forward thinking. So we tried that. It didn't work. But that's completely missing the point. We have to be careful about which new ideas we're willing to try out because they can be absolutely disastrous if you haven't vetted them properly. And it's no mystery that many of the most horrific tragedies to befall humankind in the 20th century were a result of progressive thinking, Mm -hmm. especially centralized thinking, Mm -hmm. centralizing eugenics is massively dangerous. I understand like the idea of finding a spouse that you want to procreate with. Mm-hmm. And that's a form of eugenics. Like you're, you're choosing your bloodline stuff. So that's like, that's okay. That's not too far. But when you become the authority and you're like, I want these people to have sex with these people and these people never to have kids, that's danger, danger. Because who's in making those that call? You should watch Attack on Titan. Oh, I, I haven't have seen it in the past, it. and I it's think you might be right. It's the best series of all time. I hear time. a Jordan Peterson AI <laughs> told, told people to watch it. Yeah, so uh, someone kept super chatting us. Jordan Peterson said to watch Attack on Titan. And so I was like, I hear good things, I'll watch it. And then I did. If you're interested in the idea of eugenics, if you're interested in the idea of white privilege and critical race theory, you're critical of these things, seriously watch Attack on Titan. It's crazy because uh, it's an anime. And my only real understanding of the show was like, oh, it's about there's this one last city with three big walls that keep out giant humanoid monsters that eat people called Titans. And there are people that have these like rope systems that allow them to move around really quickly and use swords to kill giant monsters. Yeah, I, I like anime. You know, Full Metal Alchemist was pretty awesome. I was a big fan of Naruto. But I was like, eh, maybe I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. Then when I heard the robot, uh, Jordan Peterson robot, tell me to watch it <laughs> in the Super Chat, uh, I decided to watch it. Then I realized it's actually a political thriller that touches on the ideas of eugenics, of ancestral sin, and uh, oppression, and white privilege. And it tackles all of these ideas. Man, it's some it's it's good stuff. And war, when there's like warring countries... And then, you know, there's one little girl and she's like, you people are evil. Your your ancestors oppressed us. You have any idea how many people you've murdered? Your family deserve to die. And the other girl goes, my mom didn't do any of those things. She never hurt a single person. Why was she killed? I'm just like, if Jordan Peterson did watch it, he really would tell people to watch it. Because <laughs> like the, the, the white privilege element of it and the, and the authoritarianism, I was like, man, it really is a good show. Plus, there's giant humanoid monsters that fight each other, so you get that. Cool. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's a spectacle. That's cool. <laughs> but but you're, it's really interesting to hear you say it that way. I mean, they they essentially the the far left views conservative as just a different word for bad. Yeah. So when they do bad things, they were being conservative, even if they were ex- ex- explicitly doing them in the name of pro- uh, progressive ideology, which they were. I mean, back in the 1910s, there was this sense of what do you call it? Noblesse oblige. Uh, oblige. You know, the rich people, well, they wanted to use their wealth to make a, uh, the world a better place. And they had this trust in science, which became social science. And so they started doing these weird studies. And so the Ford Foundation wiretapped a jury room in a major criminal trial and spy, illegally spied on Americans. Um, and they made a little spreadsheet and wrote their little PhD-style paper on why essentially we shouldn't have juries in America because people are stupid. Um, and, and so the, these are a bunch of, uh, you know, college professor types that think they know better than everyone. 
Um, and uh, there is this, th- that's the really the progressive ideology is that we know better if we could master plan everything, the world would be a better place. And so that's really what the, the eugenics came from. Um, and there was no moment. I mean, I would maybe buy it if they said there was some moment where the foundation shifted from conservative to liberal and we apologized and there was this transformation, but you can go through every decade. They do the same thing. Um, in the sixties, they went into New York city and they had this idea that we should have segregated schools in the black neighborhoods. And they said, well, really what we want is integration, but the blacks are going to have to prove that they're capable of living in our society first. And so they use that bizarre logic to actually take New York City backwards and create segregated schools. And they had them do very similar stuff to what we're doing in the schools now, where it's all like self-directed learning. No one's actually sitting them down and actually teaching things. And so the result was predictable. Like the kids did horrible. They pitched it like these, these poor kids in Harlem are going to be reading James Joyce because they choose to. That's not what happened. The schools failed and they, they blamed the Asians somehow because the Asians had nothing to do with it, but they blamed them. Um, and so their excuse was, look, we're, li- we're the liberal Ford Foundation. We wanted to integrate New York City, but we had to do the opposite and segregate it. Yeah. And so now you have critical race theory where they're saying, you know, showing up on time and working hard and um, determination and doing homework. Those are all not part of black culture. They're white attributes. Mm. It's the exact same thing. There yeah. was no reckoning. There was no shift from conservative to liberal. They're, they're, the, the, the language has changed, but the result is the exact same. It's the perpetuation of this elite um, status quo. And, you know, the surest way to keep, uh, you know, a black underclass in place is to make sure they don't learn uh, basic academics. Mm-hmm. Wow. Extremely well said. Um, extremely well said. Have you written uh, about these foundations extensively? Because yeah, I, I would I mean, love to read more about that. That's, this is that's part of my book, Race to the Bottom. Okay. And it's, it's a book about schools, but I, it's one of those things. You start looking into schools and you go down this rabbit hole like everything. So there's this, you know, there's a million because people think it's all about Loudon, And that's like one of the weirdest things. I just wrote about Loudon because that's where I live. Right. I mean, there's other reporters that happen. They did the same thing. We're all just being lazy, honestly, and looking at our own school district because it's easiest. Um, the, the schools, the problems are, are everywhere. And um, there's a there's a nationalizing element to it, right? There's 13,000 school districts. How is the same weird stuff happening in all of them? Mm-hmm. And that's where I, I came upon the foundations. Yeah, well, and, and, this- and the interesting thing is, is that even in red states and places like West Virginia, we're seeing school boards get taken over by woke cult members. Mm-hmm. And what, ha- what happens is when they run for a school board, for they, they don't say they're Democrat or Republican, they lie or they just you know keep it under wraps. Oh, we're going to teach your kids. And then as soon as they get in, it's wokeness. Yeah, it's interesting. You were being a little bit self-deprecating and you said you looked at your own school system because that was easier and you're being lazy. But I would argue that that's exactly why we need to have a system which encourages people looking at their own system and what's local to them because it is easier to solve problems on the local level. But for whatever reason, we've really spread a way of thinking throughout our culture that you have to be paying attention to what's happening in every other part of the country except for yours. Yeah. And I mean, a couple of you back, back in 2019, I mean, I, so I spent my career as a, you know, DC journalist and I, I thought I'm like at the, you know, in the center of it, covering Congress, covering all this important stuff. And I realized like local government is actually more important. So I just straight up quit my job and started focusing on this local stuff because for you. no one was paying attention to it. And that gives, I mean, and honestly, it's a little silly that a lot of us in America have sit around and 
talk about our opinion of the president and things like that um, when we can't really have much of a say, like the average Joe. Um, but where the average Joe can have a say is at, at the local level. And yet we just thought it was boring. We thought it was lame and no one was doing anything and created this vacuum that was filled by a bunch of creeps. Well, and it's interesting. Well, they, they know that the average Joe can have an effect at the local level, which is exactly why they try to smear people like the man whose daughter was raped and tried to stand up to the school board about it. And it's why they want the FBI to classify parents who speak out against the school board or speak up for their children as terrorists. Did that dad like make a mistake by getting angry and screaming? Who couldn't? Uh, I, yeah, no, I think he was actually more restrained than probably the average person would be. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't come forward and tell a story even after that. I, that's It wasn't until I called him. I and mean, he tried to have faith in the system. Huh. But the prosecutor wound up trying to put him in jail for disorderly conduct. And this is a BLM Soros-funded prosecutor who ran on a campaign of she let like an attempted murderer out like the week before. Um, you know, they don't, she's one of these no bail types. You, no one gets jail for disorderly. And so they targeted him and he still had faith in the system. And it wasn't until the second girl was raped because I already knew about it by that point, but he didn't want me to come forward. He was that kind of guy. He actually did. He's got a bit of a temper, but he was exercising remarkable self-restraint. And when he, when the second girl was assaulted, he said, we can't trust this system anymore. I mean, we've got to just take it into our own hands. Did you ever come across John Dewey when you were studying the history of the school system? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this guy seems pervasive, this psychologist. He was right there with the Rockefeller Foundation getting started. I don't know. Did did he start a foundation or anything? I haven't really looked too deep into him yet. So, I I mean, I think they they were all based out of Columbia University, and that's also kind of the epicenter of critical race theory, tracing it back to critical theory. James Lindsay probably told you all about that. He knows way more than me. Um, But there's some creepy stuff happening in Columbia University Teachers College in in the 50s and 60s. And, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of bad stuff came out of there. And that's where the foundations basically started funding social science, which is not a real science. It's just <laughs> activism. Yeah. But they create a lot of papers that get before these local governments and things like that. And so you can go to all these meetings, your town council or whatever, but they put this paper. It looks really complicated. It's got a lot of jargon in it. And that's one of the things with the schools too that struck me is they have their own language that m- is designed to keep people out. It creates a barrier mm. to entry because yep. you don't know their acronyms and, you know, I learned about all that through the course of writing the book. The acronyms are stupid. I can explain them all. I know what they mean, but you, you know, for the regular people, they're not missing out on anything. The, the language is artificially and needlessly complex for the sole purpose of keeping regular people out of their own uh, town government. Thing. We should we should have you on with uh, James Lindsay, yeah, you know, at some fun. point, talk about all this stuff. But for now, we must go to super chats. So if you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show if you really like it. Head over to TimCast.com to become a member because you will be supporting our journalists and we're going to have a members-only segment coming up at 11 p.m. And plus, we have a new show, Chicken City. In about one week, we almost got 13,000 subscribers. Plus, I think we had, the last time I counted, nine new baby chickens hatched this morning. And it's all live, happening very so live happy. on Chicken City. But let's, uh, let's, let's read some Super Chats. We got Roberto Lara. He says, Amazon, sw- Amazon swattings now bomb squads. So this is what happens when one is curious about listening to all opinions and truths. The moles always win. Always win. Uh, yes, the Amazon thing. So um, I didn't bring it up. My initial plan was like, when we go live today, the first thing I'm going to do is complain about Amazon. Ugh, they ruined my patio. And then, you know, the bounce club. Yeah, squad I was like, first world problems. Yeah. Amazon drove over the patio. But So we got a new patio annoying. built and uh, rain delayed it, then snow delayed it. And it finally got sealed. So it's like an epoxy spray. And that means uh, you can't walk on it or drive on it. And the Amazon driver 
decided to go off our driveway onto our new patio and pressed dirt tracks into the epoxy. Great. Uh, so it has to be sanded off and resealed, which is very, very expensive. Very expensive. So I'm, I was, I was, I was mildly perturbed. Indeed. First world yeah. problems for sure, but now we're going to be delayed by another two days or whatever. Cause I got to, it was, it, w- it would have been done by, uh, you know, tomorrow evening or the morning. Now they got to come in, take, do a, spend a day getting rid of it. And it's going to be another two days to wait for the, uh, the, the seal to, you know. I was thinking maybe we could build like a platform so we can go up and sit up high, but uh, we are doing that. Okay. Yeah, we're building a new uh, ramp wall. It's going to have like a seven and a half foot viewing oh, platform. Oh, out front? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it'll be nice. All right, let's see. John Leonard says, stay strong. Don't let the people who swat you win. Ian, keep rolling ones and twenties. I find you to be <laughs> one of the best parts of the show, even when I disagree with you. I'm extreme. Uh, let's see. Angela Richter says, what mystery is Seamus praying? Uh, so I was praying the glorious mysteries of the rosary. What was that? So there are different mysteries of the rosary. Basically, they are um, moments from the life of Christ and the uh, narrative of his life that you meditate on. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For each what decade of the rosary that you pray. All right. Let's let, we got this one here for, uh, for Ian. Jeremy says, I listened to the show on audio the next day, so I apologize. I didn't do anything day of. But this is appreciation for Ian's straight 20s yesterday. Whoa, look at that. Holler right. back. We just got a super chat that looks really big. It says COP 400,000. I'm not sure. Oh, I uh, saw that. What, what currency is that? Can you look it up? Yeah, I'm looking yeah, at it. Yeah, I'm curious. It's, you know, YouTube classifies it as red, but I don't know, 400,000 COPs from Sam Jackson. Colombian peso. Yeah, oh. Colombian peso. So what is 400,000? Well, let's Find see. Out. One, two, three. Uh, so I would say 10,000 is a dollar or 5,000 is a dollar. Five thousand is a dollar. That's going to be us next year with I, the inflation. I think that's rough. Yeah. That's yeah. a rough <laughs> estimate. We got a super chat from John out of Texas of for thirteen million dollars. Thanks, John. Yeah. I'll get myself a beer. One hundred five bucks. Sam Jackson says, "Hey Tim, love your show. Was wondering if you could help some fans out. Freedom Jobs Business Coin is launching an amazing app tomorrow for the cryptocurrency of the parallel economy." Would be awesome to get a shout out if you have a sec. Thanks so much. Well, if people are interested, there it was. Otherwise, I'm not too sure what that is. But let's yeah, read some more. Check it out. All right. Let's see. What is that? Cats Turbo says, where are the emails and videos Pelosi is holding in regards to J6? Total BS. Truth needs to be told. Yeah, sh- they're withholding a bunch of information, aren't they? Is that what's going on? Not I sure. No? Yeah. Luke, do you know anything about that or not? I don't know. Well, well, we'll, uh, we'll look into, into it, I suppose. That, yeah. Okay. Let's see what we got. Daryl Dothero says, Luke, please comment on George Webb investigations, Imran Awan. Is that something you're familiar with? Do you anything about that? Uh, it's just this, like, crazy guy. Oh, uh, all right then. <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's grab some other Super Chats. Lauren Taylor says, this swatting stuff is nuts. Nuts. Wish the best. I have some training I'd love to share. Please look up resume on Spin the UFO. Lauren the Gunsmith Firearms Trainer. Oh, all right. Oh. Well, you know, leave. You want to check that out? I will check it out. Jay Schartzer says Biden has 1,041 days to prove he is the worst president of all time. So don't count him out. Come on, man. That's a good point. That's a good point. When I say he may be the worst, he still has a lot more time. You know, he's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna. He might be the best. Yeah, he may, he may <laughs> the best. Be the best president. Sure. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's a possibility that. You know, he he gets struck by lightning and gets, is, is given access to the speed force and then becomes 
Flash Biden. Yeah, or aliens start controlling people's mind, but his mind's you can't control it because it's like, <laughs> like oh, no, he can touch me, homie. I'm gonna get him, man. bro. He's like Fry, like in Futurama. You know? Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> lack the Delta brainwave. I'm, I'm invincible, bro. Biden, Biden's brain is so addled that they can't find a pathway to control him. So he he, He's he going does rogue. he does the bare minimum, but they can't mind control. Him. I have faith. All right. Mima type says democracy, republic, dictator, etc. are all just systems to try and keep good people uh, to keep good people in charge, but you can still have good dictators. Augusto Pinochet rescued Chile from communism, then set up elections and stepped down. He also brutally murdered many people. Yeah, I heard so. he threw people yeah, out of he, uh, he helicopters. Helicopters. I lived in Chile for a while. That's pretty notorious that he did that. Saved stuff. it from communism. Nah, man. He was but, like a Western. Uh, basically put into power by Western forces and did their bidding. But did westernize the country, whatever. Regardless of whether they like bunch of obese people there. Regardless of whether they like communism or hate communism, brutal authoritarians going around murdering people seems to be the problem. You know? That's not the kind of world we want to live in. Dude, they had a coup in Chile before he became into power, um, where they basically fighter jets were flying over the Capitol building. I mean you go to Santiago and they're like, this is where the tanks were pointing. This is like I don't know, twenty years ago or something. I think it was to get Pinochet. 20 years ago? No, no. It was to get Pinochet out. Oh. I got to look at my history here. Joe Boxer says a no-fly zone is not possible due to the size of Ukraine compared to Kosovo. Just the east side of Ukraine is 10 times larger than Kosovo. Wow, interesting. Yeah, it was 1973 when they put Pinochet in power, yeah. when he joined, came into power. And it was Allende. Salvador Allende was the oh. guy that was president. And he was like, I'm going to commit suicide and then killed himself in the building. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mitchell Doherty says, heard you mention yesterday how words have lost meaning. Would recommend everyone read George Orwell's Politics and the English Language. Very enlightening on the subject. Puts the madness in perspective. Smart fella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Joe Biden says, let's go, Brandon. I agree. That's right. He did. Yeah, that, that was a good time. He did. That's yeah. amazing. It was, so that was actually very frustrating for me because I did a cartoon called Thanksgiving with Joe Biden where it was a bunch of animated characters of Joe Biden sitting around the dinner table. It was basically all him. And I used actual Joe Biden clips <laughs> instead of doing an impression of him. And at the punchline at the end is he says, let's go, Brandon, because the food at Thanksgiving is too expensive. And I just ruined the joke. But please go watch it anyway. <laughs> I was very frustrated because that was the one thing I couldn't find him saying. So I just did an impression of him going, let's go, Brandon. But then I think a couple weeks later, he actually said, let's go, Brandon. And it was just, it was very, very bittersweet. (laughs) Because had I had that earlier in the video, it would have been so much better. Sorry. The great anywho says, guys, no one person is pulling Biden's strings. It's the grandkids and kids fighting over who is getting the family silver because they know that grandpa is not doing so well. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, man. The big guy was getting his 10%. That's what we saw. Oh, boy. Yes, right. We don't know who the big guy is, though, Tim. You know, yeah, can't jump to conclusions. Maybe Hunter Biden knows another unbelievably influential player in maybe world it's politics. Wilson Fisk. Yeah, you know, yeah, and Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's, he's Obama. Obama. Yeah, really good friends. Yeah. I saw a meme, and it said, uh, "Can anyone explain where Fauci's gone?" <laughs> like I have seen gone. him. They took heard? that the hook that they pulled people off stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yanked them off. They yanked him off stage, man. The wrong writer says, vote in the last election based on all the candidates' tweets and social media. They don't get my vote if they exhibit city urban liberal type. Mm. Yeah, I agree mm. with that. I uh, I do a few things whenever I get uh, text messages from I, – I, de- Democrats text me all the time. Um, probably because I made donations to like Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard back in the last election. And I'm like, you should probably look at who I donated to before texting me. Because then they always do these things where they're like – Hello, Tim. I hate Lauren Boebert. Will you done it to me? That's like basically what they send me. 
But typically I'll respond with how many genders are there mm-hmm. and they don't respond. Huh. Uh, or I'll respond with, you know, I like guns. So it's just, you know, it's yeah. So I have never donated to any left wing campaigns and I'll get those text messages as well. Really? Yes. See, the Republicans got no game, dude. That's exactly. Right. That's Keep it. Going. If Seamus is getting progressive texts, I know. you know, Shame. but I'm not getting it from the, no, honestly, just stop. Just, just, I don't <laughs> care. I, I think campaign texts are just annoying. But then again, the kind of person who votes Democrat is the kind of person who would vote based on a spam text message. So it probably does work for them. Yeah. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Tim, cheers to you and the crew for maintaining your composure in light of all the attacks on you. Luke, what a different story. Uh, Luke, what a diff story you have to take home a, I think maybe we're missing some words there. So I don't know if it's coming through properly, but you know. Raymond G. Stanley. Yeah. He sends a lot of super chats. Like Maybe he's a fixed one. Yeah, you're right. You're great. <clears throat> Lee, uh, uh, Lysandrin says, Lysandrin, Donald Trump for the House of Representatives, then the Speaker of the House, then impeach Biden, Harris, and Trump is in the driver's seat again. Uh, Trump doesn't need to be elected to the House to become Speaker of the House. My understanding is that the uh, representatives can just elect him as Speaker of the House. It can be anybody. So if the Republicans win, they could do that. Anybody, like they could make you the speaker? Yeah. Oh. Well, they should do it. I don't think Trump would, though, because Trump is running. You know, on the Nelk Boys podcast, he was like, they asked, are you going to run 2024? And he goes, well, federal election laws prohibit me from saying things unless, you know. But uh, many people will be very happy. They'll be very, very happy. (laughs) Maybe he was saying his haters will be happy, though, Tim. We can't jump to conclusions. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You know, but that's that's why he gets away with, you know, he's going to run. I wonder if what we're going to see is... uh, Joe Biden burns the country to the ground or Joe Biden almost burns it to the ground. Populist Republicans win their primaries. Republicans take over in 20 in, in November do just enough because I don't really have a lot of faith in Republicans to stop the country from completely burning to the ground. And then Trump comes in and pulls us out of a tailspin. Hopefully it won't burn. Um, I'm, I think this is an opportunity for American democracy or Republicanism to show itself to functioning as it's built to function. We have checks and balances because if you get one bad you know, authoritat in office. You want bad president. You need other branches to keep it in check. So we will find out if it was built right. Here's a very important uh, super chat from Joseph Suchta. He says, skate or die. Absolutely. Huh. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. guess I'll die. <laughs> I love that game. For me. Did you guys play what are you talking about, Seamus? You're like pro. <laughs> no, it's true. I'm actually really good at are, uh, yeah. rollerblading if you guys want to watch that vlog. <laughs> aggressive <laughs> inline. Aggressive. You got to make it sound cooler. It's, mu- it's no, aggressive. It's not inline, right? I'm that number one wait. aggressive oh, okay. inline skater skating. boy yeah. of all time. Skater we did a, we did a, we did a bit where we had Brett, who's. No, it was real, Tim. Don't do this to me. Why are you going to expose me on air? I'm never going to come on your podcast again. It was a bit where Brett was not wearing your clothing. Exactly. And did Thank not you, skate around looking right. like you. That's right. what I call a 20. Thank the you, The best Ian. part of that bit was that whenever Seamus landed a trick, he yelled his own name. That's like, yeah. like some kind of Pokemon. How else are people supposed to know that I'm doing the trick? I go, Seamus! <laughs> right, because you're wearing a helmet. Cowabunga! <laughs> you got to yell your own name. Exactly. It's the only way people know. Yeah. Seamus! Oh, good times. That was great. Yeah, we, we, we plan to do a bunch of other ones. I was thinking it would be hilarious if we hired like a legit like pro motocross guy and just, you know, did the same mm-hmm. thing. Convince everyone that Seamus is really good. Yeah. And, and lots of stuff like uh, skydiving. Like, convince people. Like, deep <laughs> rolls and stuff. Well, people don't realize too is like, you know, the, this guy sitting here, he actually doesn't even do Freedom Tunes. No. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Seamus is just an actor. It would I'm be great to get you I'm to a, a stunt. <laughs> I'm a crisis actor. I was putting... <laughs> it's definitely a crisis. <laughs> 
I actually animated with my left hand. I'd like to see you do a front roll flip, like in a stunt. Well, it's gonna make it You've happen. seen me do that. That's how uh, I rolled again, into the podcast again. studio. All right, all right. Because you get better every time you do it. <laughs> Insert name here says, Hi, Seamus, Tim, and extras. If the U.S. commits Civil War II electric boogaloo, what states other than CA do you think would balkanize? Mm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really don't know. That's an interesting question. The South question, probably though. would. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think it would be along state lines. You'd there see, would, like, mountain ranges would become new borders and stuff. Yeah, rivers. R- rivers. Yeah. There would be, like, in the South, there's, like, people, like, sitting in their houses, and they have, like, you know, an American flag on their house. And then as soon as it breaks out, they hit a button, and it flips over, and it's a Confederate flag. <laughs> and they're like, I've been waiting for that moment. Beep. <laughs> All the, all the, all, yeah, all the state buildings just press a button, all the flags flip. <laughs> it's like, we were waiting. Yeah. Dude, if you had a flag where no matter who looked at the flag, everyone would see something different based on if you were like tricking their mind. So that everyone that sees fun. it sees what they want to see. That'd be crazy. What would be the purpose of that? That's the mind American control. flag, Ian, because the left sees it and they just see racism because that's all they want to see. You know what I mean? Like if I looked win. at that and I saw the Confederate flag because my mind is being controlled and you look at it and you see an Amer- American flag because your mind is being controlled. But no, but I mean, that's, just hey, that's kind of how no, things no, are wait, now. Wait, wait, wait. That's actually, how things are now. Here's, a, here's an idea we could do. We could do polarizing lenses. Yeah. And then we could actually screw with people that way where it's actually a good idea. We can set up a show at Freedomistan and depending on which glasses you're given, you'll see something totally different yeah. in the art. So, like, but they'll be similar enough to where people will describe them similarly, but in different ways to, like, see how they react to it. So, like, you put on these polarizing glasses, and depending on which way the light's polarized, you'll either see, you know, Joe Biden or Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. but it'll say the worst president ever or something. Be cool to have, instead of glasses, like, little things you could pull down and look through, and then they put them back up. So, the idea is when people come in, they get A glasses or B glasses, and then you see how they, like, react to reality when they yeah. see things in different ways Bend different perception. colors yeah that'd be cool Mr. Thao says you should name the new chicks in Chicken City after politicians and world leaders then you can yell at Putin to get off Hillary yeah <laughs> they're all yeah, in the back <laughs> sleeping in the incubator are they? yeah watch, watching, them <laughs> watching them live we're gonna have to uh, take them out soon we don't know if all of the eggs were fertilized so at some point the eggs that aren't hatching we just is it ethical to leave how many like how many chicks can be in an incubator basically is like is they're, they're all fine yeah it's 22 it's it holds 22 and they can be in there for just up to 3 days they don't need to eat because they have the yolk from the egg still in them but uh eh, you know we'll see what happens if after a couple of days some of these eggs aren't doing anything we're just going to assume they're not fertilized or they didn't make it and do you know how many how many are, are there now nine how Nine? many alive that are no, out of the edge? Yeah. I can't tell looking. I'm really I excited. see a lot of heads. Two Brahma babies. They're the ones with hairy feet. They're so I'm really excited down. for that. Yeah, they're all laying down. And it looks like Roberto Jr. is a father. Congratulations, man. Yeah. Well, but that, but that means that he was banging uh, his dad's well, girl. You know what I mean? I'm not going to judge. I had to go. I had to go. I had to go and give a talk uh, earlier to Roberto. I was like, hey, Roberto, and come over. And he actually walked over. It was funny. And then I was like, so what happened was some of the babies that were born look like what's called a black star chicken. When you breed a Rhode Island red with a barred Plymouth hen, uh, you'll get uh, a boy will be will have a white down on his head and a girl will be all black. But we ended up with penguin looking chicks. <laughs> they have white chests and they're mm. all black and that's not either. And then I realized, you know, because my brother was like, I don't think those are black stars. And I was like, it must be Roberto Jr. Because he's only half Rhode Island red oh. and half some other breed. We don't, I'm not sure. She's an Easter egg of some sort. So, and we know that he's been, you know, kicking it with Roberto's girls. 
So we think that sneaking into yeah, the hen house. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. I hear yep. there are eleven hatched so far. Eleven. Yeah. Eleven. That's half. So yeah. what are you going to do with the chickens when they stop laying? Because I have chickens, and you know when they get to three years old, you got to make a decision. Are they just going to be freeloaders, or yeah. are you going to yeah. do something about it and oh, get yeah. some fresh ones in? Oh, look, this is the original cast of Chicken City. I mean, these are celebrities. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, we're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna stay there and do whatever they want forever. They got you know? more important jobs than just laying eggs. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're the stars of the show, man. That's right. But uh, the roosters, unfortunately, have to be retired. That don't mean killed, but we're setting up an all-boys dorm- dormitory over at Freedomistan, <laughs> and it's just going to be roosters. They're useless eaters, too. So, yeah, that's true. Actually, I'm really interested to see what happens when we have, like, 30, like, full-grown adult roosters. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I have no intention of killing or eating them. It's going to be a party. Unless we have to. It'll be yeah, great to have. Yeah. But it's going to be really interesting to see, like, this horde of really, like, I mean, I, I'm not sure a fox will go anywhere near them. Normally, a fox will kill a rooster. Mm-hmm. But if you got like not 30 roosters no mess with it. and they're all screaming yeah. nonstop, that's going to be interesting. Without a weapon, if you went in there and they all attacked you, I mean, that would be bad oh, news. Oh, you'd get messed up. So my understanding is, because I've talked to a couple breeders and I've read it online, you can house an unlimited number of roosters with other roosters so long as there's no hens nearby. Hmm. As soon as you put a girl in the mix, they start killing each other to get that girl. Mm -hmm. So that's where it's... I have Americana chickens that give you red, white, and blue eggs. Although the red is more brown and the blue is more green. But they call them Americana. (laughs) It's close enough. What colors do the Easter eggers give you? Green. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we... we, My my brother bought some fertilized eggs. There's like a blue one. So I think there's a blue one. We'll see. We're incubating. Out of these 11 that hatched, we also have another... um, we We had 56 total. That's a lot of chickens. The yep. silkies are so funny. Yeah, you saw the silkies? Yeah. Uh, I, I know. I didn't see yours. I know what they look like. We got silkies. Yeah. 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 So Ostrich or something. I they look tell. like llamas or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You can't. I was just thinking that. My neighbors have alpacas and it's the same <laughs> yep. deal. The ridiculous hair. They're, I think one of the TikTokers has that went to the White House has the same hair. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't put silkies in, uh, silky boys in with um, a regular uh, a farm breed because they'll peck the head and kill it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You got to look up a picture of the silkies. I mean, they're nothing like it. I've never seen and chicken. And they're so goofy, like man. They're, they're they're the silliest, fluffy chickens. They like to be held. Yeah. Someone's telling me they're they're like the friendliest chickens. They're like the panda bears of chickens. I oh think. boy. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're gonna we're, so when you mix them with regular farm chickens, you get what's called a satin. Mm-hmm. So you get very soft feathers, and so we're gonna take the once once Roberto and Roberto Junior are retired off to the dormitory. We're going to put the full-grown silky rooster in to, you know. We got are you going to get? Any, are you going to get any other animals when you move to West Virginia? Goats. Yeah, yes, that's I would what I'm be doing down to goats yeah. here in the meantime, and, so, and, and probably a dog. So I've got a. Uh, it's a multi-step process. It's really interesting. Interesting thing about the production chains. I've got a um, sawmill. So I'm cutting down trees in my property, milling it into lumber, using the lumber to build a barn, oh, cool. the barn to house goats, the goats to get milk, the milk yeah. to, mel- to to make yogurt. And so by the end of the day, I've, I've transformed my chainsaw into yogurt. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. That's awesome. How long have All you been right. doing that? Uh, it's taken me about a year. You know, I just do it on weekends. I'm, I'm almost done with the barn, so then I should be able to get the, the goats this spring. <sighs> That's awesome. Yeah, someone mentioned silkies like to cuddle. That's and awesome. So, um, we're, 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 their coop, we're, 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 we're doing external coops for the, because we got extra chickens. We're going to have a bunch separate from Chicken City next to it. But they got delayed because of, you know, Amazon or whatever. But, uh, so they're all sitting in this box with food and water and they all just cuddle on top of each other. Oh. Yep. <laughs> One of them jumped out and tried escaping, but, you know, it happens. All right. Orwell was a prophet says, West Virginia Republican state senators just voted down recognition of natural immunity. They need to be primaried for this. They are clearly in favor of COVID passports and social credit scores. I agree. 
Interesting. Yep. I can't wait till we start expanding Freedomistan. Um, we've got solar in- being installed uh, soon. The new building is being put up. It's going to help dramatically increase security. We're going to end up with two different campuses, essentially, where we do a lot of editorial stuff and nonprofit work here. And then we do show stuff and shenanigans over at Freedomistan. But then we're going to have way more space. We're going to have – it's just 50 acres. It's going to be fantastic. So I'm excited for that. But that puts us in West Virginia officially where we're going to be way more active in local politics. And it's going to be to the to, to the point of silliness. Like we're, we're talking about, you know, incorporating a town. We want people to run for local office and government and be, you know, if you come out and you're working with us, we want you to be involved in politics to whatever degree you can. Or maybe you're someone who comes out and gets involved and then we start just fighting for our values and the things we believe in. And that's what it's going to be all about. Plus, as we expand the company, it's going to bring more and more jobs and hopefully bring more people of like-mindedness into this area and help revitalize the area, help set the politics on the right track. I'm excited for it. All right, let's grab some more Super Chats here. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, y'all get that goat from Tiny Tails Farms. We did not get a goat from anyone yet. Not yet. But um, we're not quite ready to get a goat just yet. Uh, unless Seamus wants to raise some goats. Wait, what? When goat, did I? Goat farmer. Well, I have to think about it. Yes. Is it goat, t- goat dad? I, I'm little busy, tail, little tail farms. Is that who you're talking about? You said tiny tails. Yeah, little tail little farms. Are you going to get full size or like the miniature Nigerian? Probably miniature, Dude. probably miniature. Goats. Cause, um, I don't know if we, we, we have the wherewithal to take care of. I think you get like a gallon a day from the bigger ones. A gallon a day. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Correct. That's but after they, they after they have babies, right? Well, of course. But, then but the, the issue with the Nigerians is so you're going to get uh, a smaller amount but really high fat, like 6%. Ooh, and like if you're that. making cheese and stuff, I feel like that's good. But I feel like if you're just drinking a glass of milk, you're going to get pretty fat drinking 6% milk. Yeah, it's pretty uh, No, I think we, I, I don't think we'd be drinking the milk. We'd probably make cheese. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. But then it's it's only after they give birth, right? Well, yeah. Like slightly before and after. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to keep making more goats. Yes. But if you're taking the milk from the mom, what does the baby drink? Uh, the, you know, it's like with humans. If you keep breastfeeding, your your body's going to keep more. making it as long as you keep pumping it. The the baby doesn't actually need it that whole time. Oh, okay, maybe um, we might get full size, but we were just told to stay away from the boys. Oh yeah, stay away from the boys. I would get full size. Why not? You Nobody wants acres. boys of anything. No, <laughs> I, I have bees, and it's the same thing. The the boys do. This is really. I, I think I'm becoming a feminist because when you look, <laughs> you look at the animal kingdom, boys are just useless. They're they don't do makers. anything. Yeah. The bees are freeloaders. The boys, you know, you don't get any eggs from boy chickens. You don't get any milk from boy goats. Men are just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's only because humans can protect the females, right? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, chickens, uh, roosters. They will sacrifice themselves to save their girls. They're heroic. Yeah, that's the craziest thing. Watching these videos of like the rooster attacking a giant snake and like we had a hawk attack early on in our other and the, and the rooster yelled and then ran to the door and then waited as the other chickens all ran in and then he ran in. Watch it. We throw food in and the rooster will watch as the girls eat and just like look around. And oh, chivalry isn't dead. Yeah, right, man. Yeah. The noble rooster. Now. That also means he takes what he wants. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you see him at sometimes like zoos. They got to put this like diaper slash holster on the, yeah, the saddles. To protect. Yeah, the oh, saddle. Wow. We have some of those. Otherwise, that skin's, yeah. the feather's going to fall off. It's, he protects the girls, but they got to they give there's him a, a There's a price. There's, <laughs> a price. <laughs> there's always a price. <laughs> All right. Get a pair with Sully says, if you get a dog for farming or livestock protection, get a Marema. Is it Marema? They're fantastic shepherd dogs. Leave them out all year and they will be happy. Oh, um, yeah, we want to get a big, a big sheep dog. Oh. And just, we got 50 acres. They're going to be running around, going crazy, getting dirty, you know, doing dog oh, stuff. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Cool dog. It'll be a whole lot of yeah. fun. 
So, my friends, if you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show with your friends, head over to TimCast.com and become a member. We're going to have that members-only show coming up for you. It'll be published around 11 or so p.m., so don't miss it. And as a member, you're just keeping all of this going, so we really do appreciate it, especially with everything that's, everything that's been happening. And um, while you're waiting, go over to Chicken City. Just search for Chicken City on YouTube. I don't know if we have the URL for it yet. a short one yet, I don't no. think. But uh, go to Chicken City on YouTube, and you can watch live. There's babies in the incubator. There's also the chickens that are sleeping, and you can watch that. And then, of course, at 11 p.m. at TimCast.com, we will have that members-only segment. You can follow the show at TimCast IRL. You can follow me at TimCast. Luke, do you want to shout anything out? Uh, Race to the Bottom book. Check it out on Amazon. Right on. You got social media? Uh, Luke Rosiak on Twitter. Cool. Freedom Tunes. If you guys want to check out Freedom Tunes, we release don't a new ch- Don't check out Freedom Tunes. Thir- no. You know what, Tim? <laughs> now that you're not on there voicing Fauci anymore because he has He's disappeared gone. from the whole scene, well, you should do maybe a, he'll come back. Do a wait, cartoon wait, wait, of Fauci sure. alone. Like I'm, a new sure, look, yet, you know? I'm sure, sure he'll come back to apologize at some Here, point. Here's the pitch. Uh-huh. How yeah. about, okay, hear me out. <laughs> All right, I'm listening. Fauci alone, like Ian said, you know, and he's crying. And, 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 you know, I'll do the voice. I have some ideas. It'll be like the good old days, man. You know, I'll come back in. We'll sit here. We'll laugh. You know, you can, I, Trump I, needs to I get guess. paid, bro. I mean, you're telling <laughs> you people get those residuals. You're telling people not to check Freedom Tunes out. Well, I'm starting to think you're not loyal to the brand here. I don't know, man. I want to check out check out Freedom Tunes. We release a new cartoon every Thursday, and uh, last week I was very happy with the video we released for Thursday. It was about the uh, ongoing genocide yeah. in Yemen and how the United States government has aided the Saudis in committing it. Wow. That's incredible. Thank you. Uh, hey, follow me IanCrossland.net. And um, hit me up on social media if you want to get in touch. I'll, I'll love you guys. See you later. All right. I looked up a Marema, and they're an Italian sheepdog that looks super friendly and dignified, and I kind of want to get one now. So thanks for that recommendation. Um, you guys may follow me on Twitter and Minds.com at Sarah Patch Lids. We will see you all over at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out. Bye.